Wow, I love all these new games that tell you how to do everything right from the start. How could I manage without that? You and your lazy modern gamer mentality. Back in my day, we had to write things down because the game didn't remember it for us, and we liked it that way. Yeah, and we would get our butts whipped by the enemies if we went to the wrong place, and we couldn't save whenever we wanted. So there went three hours, and we liked it that way. Plus, the graphics weren't even weren't great even for the 80s, because we had to use our imaginations instead of having five-minute Disney movie cinematics. And we liked it that way! Oh, have you known that once upon a time the story was fluff? Ten, maybe twenty minutes tops! What little story we got was translated by someone who had two weeks and got minimum wage to do it, and it showed! And we liked it that way! Man, I'm so sorry. I have no right to call myself anything but a noob. Wait, maybe I can play one of these new games that looks like an old game. Yeah, it'll be just like I was really there. Hey, Paisanos, it's the Backtrack Brothers Super Show! We're the Backtrack Brothers, and old school our games. We're not like the others. You get all the fakes. If your backlog's in trouble, you can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others. You'll be hooked on the brothers. You're hooked on the brothers. You're in for a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure from RPG, so we got consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Yeah, yeah. RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome back. This is RPG Backtrack number 195, Old Wave. And as that announcer said, I am Phil Willis, and this is the very unique Mike Minky. Thank you. That That is definitely an applicable adjective, and I will accept it. Well, yeah, I got lots of adjectives tonight. First off, we have the astounding Relly Kayan. Sigh. Sigh? I'll never get my name said right on big, the show. After that big introduction? Uh, it's fine. You'd think I'd be used to it by now. Well, that's okay. Uh, we got Lashua Marpender. Wait, wait, he learned another way to say your name. I did? Yeah. I'm pretty much I, I, I say it the same every time, I'm pretty sure. It's right here yeah, on the card somewhere. Yeah, but you learned a new way. Oh, right, right, I, I did, I totally did. Yeah, did, uh, what do we got here? We got uh, we got another cue card here that says your name is Belly Cacker. Nah, I, I've abandoned that name since you know, entering into mar- marital status. But it's got a really cute kitty cat on it, it must be true. That, that, that is true, it does have a cute kitty cat, but that was literally an age and an apartment ago. Mm. I think it's false advertisement also. Uh, where were we at? Uh, Lashua Marpenter? Kashua yeah, Tarpenter? Yep. Hi, welcome back. I'm just a Spoonie back. Bard over here tonight. Spoonie Bard. 
And uh, last Look, but Josh, just just be glad that you aren't being called on to sing any Carpenter songs. <laughs> Ooh, you would be out of luck if you did. Hey. Oh crap! I think I gave Phil an idea. Ideas. Really bad idea to give him to. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, we have new guy. Hey. Uh, you introduced yourself earlier. What was your name again? I think uh, new guy. Mesmer is back on. I remember Mesmer. Everybody remembers Mesmer, don't they? What's that? Hey, you know what else we can remember? You mesmerize us. Yeah, totally. Totally mesmerizing. And you know what else we can remember? Together, old games. Or games that emulate old games. Because that's kind of like the running theme of our show today. We have found Mr. Minky has looked high and looked low to gather together a collection of retro-style games. That's kind of our theme tonight. And uh, oh boy, we just we just got a whole bunch here. I don't I didn't even know Chrome could have this many tabs open. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna we got so much to talk about. We're not gonna do a big opening here. We're gonna take a break. Let you listen to some uh, soundtrack from one of these fantastic titles, or maybe not so fantastic titles. And uh, we'll be right back with our main event. event where we take a game or a series of game we rip it open tear into it let's entrails fall to the ground and tell your fortune the uh, games we have together are not part of a particular series but rather chosen from all over because they all have one thing in common they evoke feelings of retro mania they are retro style rpgs and we start off with a Dragon of Fantasy, and hopefully I've got the right one here, but this is book one, a retro-style RPG developed by the Muteki Corporation? Tick? Tick Corporation. We'll just call them the Tick Corporation. Uh, let's see here. Self-published there. This was released on the PlayStation Vita, PS3, PS4, Android, iOS, Windows, Mass Ox, whatever, Oxen, <laughs> Wii U, uh, Nintendo 3DS, uh, and it was mostly, uh, let me see here, the earliest release I think I see here is April 16th, 2013. Just kind of a staggered release based on your platform there, I won't read them all. Uh, this is a single player RPG experience, and who wants to start off and talking about, hey, you know what's really cool? Is, you know, if you guys have listened to the show for a while, you know, I normally pull up these stats just on Wikipedia because it is the source for everything that's never wrong. Um, and down in the reception section on Dragon Fantasy Book 1, it says, 
it, it has RP Gamer mentioned. It says, in addition, RP Gamer editor Michael A. Cunningham gave the game four out of five. Great. Say it has the distinct honor of being the first iOS game he ever felt compelled to play. Oh, that sounds like high praise indeed. So hopefully- and that's how I found out about the game. I remember that, but that he reviewed it and he talked about it being like it was the only game that could actually keep him tied to a iOS device, to a mobile device to play a game. So that that was where it kind of stuck in my head. Uh, I remember back in the day it being one of the first iOS games that I actually spent uh, like more than a dollar on. <laughs> I didn't spend anything on it because Mac, a couple of years ago, just offered it to me on 3DS. We already had several reviews on the site, so I didn't need to review it. And this is one of the very few games I have yet to review. And I remember it, especially the main meat of it, being, wow, this is Dragon Quest. Because it is. Yep. <laughs> Pretty much. Except for one yet. important wrinkle that I will talk about when we get to... I'm, I'm sure it will take a very long time to go into the many mechanics and minutia of this game because it is very complex. Yeah, I, I guess we should say for the, the first book anyway, we're talking about more like 8-bit Dragon Quest, where it is very much like first-person, very simplistic graphics. I believe the iOS version was very distinctly 8-bit, and then the mm-hmm. uh, the PS, the PS3, Vita, and the 3DS version kind of got a kind of a 16-bit-ish coat of paint later. Yeah, but you, and you could switch it back to the original uh, mm-hmm. graphics, iOS graphics if you wanted to. Not that you ever would. No. <laughs> you could swap <laughs> it over and take a look. The same thing for the uh, audio tracks, too. You could swap back to the original, like, 8-bit style beeps and bops. Yes. Wh- which version did you guys play? Because I, I played the Vita version. Vita version. 3DS. Uh, I completed Which, the 3DS, but I had actually got contacted by the company when the day they released it for Android, because I had been bugging them for about six months on their Facebook page. Why is it only iOS? Why is it only iOS? Why is it only iOS? <laughs> so I woke up one morning and I had a Facebook message. I was like, who the heck is this from? And it was like, hey, you're the person who's been bugging us. Check your <laughs> Google Play Store. It's there. <laughs> now stop calling us. And put your That's money right. where your so, mouth is. I right? think that was the first, and until the Dragon Quest games came out on it, the only game I ever bought for a mobile device. Kind of quaint thinking that we actually used to pay for mobile games. I think a few yeah. people still do, but now they're just all microtransactions, right? Yeah, that's what, yeah. Uh, that's what I was about to say. It's quaint that there was an arrow that didn't have gotcha. <laughs> Time. The best of times. Oh, yeah, but I, I think fin- we can do the dis- the disappointments of mobile gaming another time. <laughs> so do we have a, a story recap on this one? Uh, let's the, see. the main one is uh, you're, you are not a young hero destined by legend. You are an older guy who is balding, and you yeah. have to go save a princess. And he's bald because a dragon burned his hair off. But he's still not young. Yes. <laughs> I don't think Olden. you saved the princess. Weren't you saving the prince? Was it the prince? Yeah, you know, it was. No, it probably was. Yeah, Prince Anders. Prince Anders, yes. And you do that by fighting one-on-one with a whole bunch of enemies. Yes, very funny enemies like rock monsters, like an entire rock family, and a lava monster called Hunk of Burning Love. My favorite was my favorite was the wolf named Blitzer who yes, asked that, the hard questions. That one took me a second because I don't have cable that I haven't seen in years. I still know who Wolf Blitzer is. I don't know why. I just do. It is an anchor for CNN. Yeah. Yes. 
And yet I haven't watched him in years, except when he showed up in the Mission Impossible movie as a cameo recently. Ah. Yeah, I, I just booted the game up the other day to kind of like play around with it a little bit. And the first enemy I run into is Sergeant Killface wants to kill your face. <laughs> yeah, the enemy names, and they almost never just attack. They always do something that ties in with their name in a funny way. Yeah, like uh, Hunka, Hunka, Burnin' Love. Um, all of their attacks is uh, Elvis Presley references. Well, yeah, that, that's a good Elvis song. Yes. And I know that the monster. entire Rock Monster family is griping about its family when it attacks you. Mr. Rock Monster is complaining about Mrs. Rock Monster making him do the laundry. Mrs. Rock Monster is worried she looks fat. Own little uh, gripes story. <laughs> Their own little Rock Monster kid just wants to be loved. <laughs> it, it was little stuff like I don't know that it would have worked if the game was. Uh, you know, if it was too long, but thankfully, you know, like with the length of the game, it didn't get old and stale. Yeah, you. I'm, I'd have to look at my timer, but you can blow through this game in a couple of hours. You mm -hmm. actually know where to go and what you're doing, and it, it is very small. I mean, I looked up the world map, and there's only like four major towns. Which puts it about on par with the original Dragon Quest. Mm. Yeah. I'd say it's even shorter than that, but... Probably about because it's just more efficient to play this one than it is the original Dragon Quest. That's the if you don't have to click to go on a stair anywhere through the menu. <laughs> no, you you can. Um, it also tells you a lot better where you need to go and what you need to do. And there is one wrinkle that makes it very different from the original Dragon Quest, which is you can recruit certain monsters near the end, and if you do that, then you you still fight enemies one on one. Except now. You're not alone. You have a monster to help you out, usually with giving you an item or something, and that can completely break it. Huge level of difficulty here. Nostalgia, not for nostalgia, banging and hitting reset and dying and reloading. I was Let's fine see. with that, again. I got through the first chapter in about four hours, and, and that, that was after dying a couple of times in the last castle, because, oh boy, does this game have a difficult spike when you get to that last castle. I think that was why I picked up the extra monster, because it helped out enormously. I didn't have to heal and take a turn when my monster could do it for me. They, I had no idea that you could capture mobs in this game. I don't even remember how I did it right now, because it's been a few years, but I definitely remember doing it, and it was incredibly useful. Yeah, you do it in book two, but I, I remember it vaguely from book one, but not the mechanic. Um... I know that I was having difficulty in the final castle because it, uh, the game whips out some of those classic Dragon Quest dick moves like, you know, having you go to sleep on the first turn and then you're sleeping and sleeping and sleeping and in the meantime, monsters just beating up on you um, and then you die and then you get sent back with half your gold. Luckily, there's no game over. It's just ha half your money. And you can't really efficiently grind for gear in this game. Um, you don't get the, the, the money that's dropped very minuscule. Um, I know that, like, the thieves and the rodents and stuff can drop a decent amount of gold, but you'll run into those kind of rarely compared to the other monsters. And my main memory of it, aside from the amusing enemies and their attack methods, was it's pretty much Dragon Quest. If, yeah, if just more efficient, but still, if you play Dragon Quest, that's what you're gonna get with this gameplay, at least mm -hmm. for this part of it. I don't think we smack heal, smack heal. 
That, that's about it. I don't think we quite mentioned it, but the name itself, Dragon Fantasy, comes from Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. Has anyone made a Final Quest yet? Well, maybe yeah. Uh, come out soon. Three Final Quest. <laughs> there you go. But I don't think that exists yet. Somebody needs to get on that. Company here, as Phil called them. Pardon. Tried to get away from the microphone. Bless you. It's given its uh, brevity. If y'all feel like you've talked about that enough, feel free to slip into book two. Well, let's see. The, the, this is the main section of book one, but there's also the, the aping off of the original Final Fantasy portion where you have the prince and he has a few people who can take on classes. Was this only in my copy on the 3DS? No, no, no. no. Like I, okay. The other copy has the other stories where I think you can play as Prince Anders, and then I think the... I can't remember who else you could play as, and then it also has a special uh, Minecraft-based episode. Yes, there is a third chapter where you're... Um, I think you're the thief. It's kind of playing off the characters from, like, Rogue or something like that I was reading. Um, but you were a thief in the desert. You're stealing stuff player from a lot of things and it's it, it's again a very short chapter maybe an hour um there's that then come back in book two and if i'm remembering correctly the minecraft chapter kind of bridges the gap between dragon fantasy one and two because you get shipwrecked on a desert island that's the minecraft island and i know that uh dragon fantasy two starts out with you on a boat i don't know what yeah, I don't know what happened in the other two chapters that got you on a boat from there, because I didn't play the other two chapters. You're exploring the world. You're looking for the prince, and then you find him. You all end up together. Ah. Uh, Starts with you, I, I think, shipwrecked again, but you're on a pirate island. I see. And yeah, I, I started Dragon Fantasy 2, and I, I was kind of getting into it. That I, I noticed that the controls on the Vita version are a little bit janky. Because it, it it feels like the the D-pad doesn't really go where I want the characters to go. And I don't know if anybody else noticed that. played it earlier this year, and I didn't really have a lot of problems. But I read through a couple, and it mentioned how buggy the Vita version was. And it did kind of strike back to, I think it froze on me a couple times, maybe crashed once. That's 10, not 12 hours. good. No, it's not good. And it this year, is I'm sure it had been out on Vita for two, three years at this point. And you played it this year, and it still froze and crashed on you? Yes. Uh... You know, maybe once, twice. But I mean, 15 hours. But it wasn't enough that I quit or anything. I What was it? Dex. I played that a couple of years ago. I remember that crashed. I probably should have taken a tally, but it, it crashed into the double digits easily. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I noticed that there were a lot of graphical glitch and stuff in um, the first Dragon Fantasy. Like, if you ran away from battle, um, oftentimes it would show the attack animation as you were running away and, like, on a screen um, after you ran away. And just kind of little dumb graphical glitches like that. Um the second one, the controls just feel, you know, like they couldn't quite nail how to go from touchscreen controls to D-pad control. Well, this corporation is not... Um, it's like two people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fair time. And have it ported to how many systems, did we say? I mean... What did you read off, Phil? About seven? Yeah. Mac, Lucky iOS, you. Android, PS3, Vita, 3DS, Wii U. I didn't even realize I had a Wii U version. Wii U. 
and yes. Texas Instrument uh, calculators. They they <laughs> they made it for the TI eighty. It's great, full uh, two bit glory. But I never had a TI eighty. I had a TI eighty three. Yeah, no, just the TI eighty. It has to be old school enough. The, oh, I have eighty five. That could run it. I'm gonna say that's crap because I had a TI eighty one and I couldn't ro- put, load anything on it. I could load parabolas on my TI eighty three. That's about it. <laughs> All right, I but think we're yeah, moving into and, to book two now. Yeah, book book two looks like it takes more of uh, graphical inspiration from stuff like Chrono Trigger. Yes, it was definitely 16-bit all the way, and plus the same old uh, lovely graphics are there, but it, it, it did not delve into the 8-bit at all. It fully was 16-bit, and it added bigger parties. Basically, all the people that you were playing in the individual chapters in book one come together in book two at the beginning. And, and you're playing different parts where they're all separated in the same world. And you can catch monsters again, which I've thus far have caught a one-eyed rock monster, a bat, and a bird. The man dressed as a shark. I I tried to catch the man dressed yeah, I tried to catch the man dressed as a shark, and he won't respawn. It was part of a side quest, because they did um, add side quests to this. Yeah, I, I noticed that, which was kind of kind of interesting, though. If if that guy never responds, then I don't know what I'm going to do. And I, th- I don't think you can go back to that island, can you? Oh, once you're gone, you're gone. That And you know what? I remember having a problem with him first. I started this on my PS4, because I think it's a cross-buy with Vita, and I bought yes. it. I played it a little bit on the PS4, and just, it I don't know, the 16-bit didn't work on, like, a 50-inch screen for me. Mm-hmm. So I then switched to the Vita, um, restarted it, and I made sure to get a good old man in the shark suit. So it, the monsters were great. It, it, and at the beginning, I kept wondering, why are you allowed, why are we catching so many monsters when you actually had all your party members? And then pretty quickly... You all get separated, and you almost have to monsters just to fill it out. The uh, encounters are not one-on-one like in the first game as much. Yeah, I found myself getting overwhelmed by some of the fights in this pretty quick. Yes, it yep. does uh, get a little bit more difficult with the number of monsters on the screen. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen that the reviews for Book 2 seem to be overall less favorable than they were for Book 1. Could it possibly be that tendency to get whacked by monsters so easily? It could be that. It could be some of the bugging, overall bugginess of the game. Um, I read a 3 out of 10 review, and it was heavy into the bugginess, mm-hmm. and heavy into, it was the same thing over and over again, these battles. And actually, it mentioned it was a little bit too easy again. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, so if we're doing 15 hours of easy battles, why are we doing it for 15 hours? Hey, I, I rather appreciated that the first game was a little bit on the easy side because it let me kind of experience it the way I wanted it to, wanted to. You know, I don't know. Maybe they could have done a difficulty slider or something. Now, in the second game, I had a problem. There were ship battles, and you were trying to blow away a ship. And this was actually right at the beginning. You had to mm-hmm. cannons like, oh, you found Mr. Rock Monster hiding in the bottom of the ship. Oh, my gosh. Some of them were hidden. I kept losing because it was timed. You had three minutes to blow up the pirate ship or they blew up you. And I played that four times. And I, I was in the first hour, two hours. I almost quit right with that. <laughs> so that was something right from the beginning that, and it was almost graphically, I couldn't like see one of the rock monsters hiding behind something. And I played yeah, there, through it. 
and I yeah, swore were, it wasn't there. Yeah, they were all hidden down in the storerooms, and you had to go and fight them to get them. That was the only part I didn't understand was just like like how to like oh I've got to fight them, and then it then I can take them up there and use them as cannonballs. Canic was not it wasn't revisited either, and but it was not very well explained. Talk about not holding your hand. Maybe it went a little too cool with that. <laughs> well, to be fair, at least both of these games are short enough that you're not going to be sinking in Dragon Quest or new Dragon Quest level of hours. And oh no, you could finish them both up in twenty twenty two hours easily. I mean, I, I was reading a platinum guide for the second one, and I think I probably spent more hours on it than I needed to to even platinum it, which I didn't. But super long. Okay. Well, speaking of long, we don't want the podcast to run too long because I do have to go to bed eventually. So let's move on. Let's evolve to Evil Land 2. A slight piece. Why are we doing Evil Land 2 first? Oh, wait, there it is. Sorry, wrong tab. (laughs) You know, it's got a different icon, the tab. It totally threw me off. Uh, (laughs) It's not the Wikipedia icon. Okay, there we go. Evil Land 1, without the one, really, because that's not really in the name. Uh, is... Evil Land 1, a short story of adventure video games evolution, according yeah. to the subtitle that I can read here. Developed by Shiro Games and Plague Digius. Uh, this was published by Shiro Games, released on Microsoft Windows, OS X, Linux, Android, and iOS uh, on April 4th, 2013, originally. And this is a single-player action RPG that evolves with you. Now, I played this because uh, we were I was getting an, an offer from Mac for a review code for Evil Land 2. I noticed that we didn't have a review 1, and I figured, all right, this, this couldn't hurt. Let me try it. And Evil Land 1 takes you maybe four hours if you dawdle a bit. Yeah, most of my playtime with Evil Land 1 was going back and finding all the cards that I missed. And particularly at the beginning, it's it's pretty informative. You go from being a couple of pixels in black and white on what looks like a Game Boy display to, wow, you have just unlocked the ability to move in more than one direction. You have just unlocked the ability to have color on screen. You have just unlocked the ability to hit things on the screen. It, it's fun. It's silly, but... It, it, this this one, I mean, not to get trite, but this one really is a love letter to RPGs throughout the ages. Yeah, you get out of your 8-bit phase pretty fast. Suddenly you're in your 16-bit phase with battles that look amazingly like, oh, I don't know, Final Fantasy IV perhaps? Yeah, they look kind of like that. See, I got a Legend of Zelda vibe from with With the early fighting. stuff, yeah. But the... the the turn-based, no, the combat with the active time battle bar going. Oh, right, 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 right. And then once you evolve a little further, you hit PlayStation level, complete with, well, they look better than early PlayStation 3D models, but they still don't look like great 3D models. And I wrote in my review that apparently during that segment, just to emulate the early PlayStation RPGs a little better, we have an obnoxious encounter rate. Hooray! Oh my god, that encounter rate. That was so frustrating, especially with what happens later in the game. Which We, we need to get into our characters. So, uh... you're, Well, there's only two. Well, three <laughs> if you count the bad guy. But well, Okay, um, there's an evil overtaking the world's mana tree, and uh, you have to destroy it. 
And this evil overtaking the monotree is named Zephyroth. Huh. No, I, I don't see any connections to anything else. That's a completely original name. Well, what about the girl The girl you, you get that's dressed in pink that's a healer, and her name is Karis? Nope, I, I see absolutely no connection to anything else. That is oh. certainly not a trope that has been perpetuated for decades. Nope, not at all. Well, what about the blonde kid that you play as whose name is Clink, and he gets a very noticeable broadsword? I have no idea what you're talking about. This is a completely original game that is not anything in the past. What about the guy you get the airship from, whose name is Sid? Sid is a very common name. My my great aunt was married to a guy named Sid, and I'll tell you, he never had anything. Well, okay. Crap, I'm running out of things in pair. Well, what, what about the bird that's called a Choboko? Well, that's a very common name. Japan doesn't like to let this get out, that there's actually a race of Chibokos that have been infesting Hokkaido for years. But that's where all of this stuff comes from. It's not coming from the Final Fantasy series at all. It's coming from an actual large yellow bird that runs around in Hokkaido and is annoying people by eating all the crops. Okay, okay. What about the card game in the game that's called Double Twin? Does that sound any familiar at all? No, I have no idea what that could possibly be referring to, because card games, especially named Double Twin, are completely unique creations. Nobody has ever made a card game in an RPG before, and the mere idea of such originality just had to have stunned the game development community around the world. That's probably why we've been seeing so many new card games in the last few years. People took inspiration from Evil Land. Even card games with numbers on the side that you put down in a 3 by 3 grid to flip other cards that have a higher number or have a lesser number? That's not familiar at all to you? I can't remember anything like that ever until Evil Land breaking new ground. Oh, boy. I should mention that Alzheimer's runs in my family. <laughs> So, so yeah, if you can't tell by our bit, I mean, this game is very much Final Fantasy with a little well, bit of... Except at the very beginning, before you unlock a life bar and the ability to save. I, I remember dying in the very, very beginning because until you unlock that, you can just die and then have to restart because, oh, crap, I haven't gained the ability to save yet. Oh, yes. You, you, do, you do get that within the first three minutes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this game doles out the stuff very, very, I mean, very quickly. I mean, you'll be in 32-bit mode, like, within an hour. And, and, uh, and, and there, were, uh, there were also automatic saves. I had completely forgotten about that. Thank you, yeah. past me, for reviewing this and giving me something that present me can use. Yeah, and um, if, if, you, if you don't feel like doing Final Fantasy gameplay or the Legend of Zelda gameplay, there's also a dungeon that's a complete homage to Diablo. Yep, there's that one too. And and that one will take you maybe 10 minutes. It's not very big, but then again, even if you try and get every achievement in the game, I suppose I should look at Steam and see if I did that, but it'll probably take you five hours max to do everything you possibly can. Yeah, I think the only achievements I didn't get in this playthrough was um, like killing the different monsters with different uh, weapons and stuff because like you have to kill a skeleton with a bomb or something and uh, you have to kill an octo rock with a flame arrow. Oh my goodness, an octo rock. That, that sounds like nothing I have ever heard of before. Again, this is such an original game. 
Well, what about the uh, piranha plants that are called pakus? Or the, I'm sorry, the giant plants that are called pakus. And that pop out of pipes? Yeah. No, no, that Nintendo and its lineage has had absolutely no influence on anything that we've ever played since. The, the, the Nintendo Entertainment System was just a minor blip because the Sega Master System trumped it everywhere, right? Hey. That's why, that's why everyone knows Alex Kidd better. Genesis does, but Nintendo don't. I feel like we should play an ad here. <laughs> Completely. Uh, anyway, there really isn't much story to talk about here. It's a very that, short game. It's it keeps it, throwing new things at you because it's so short. Mm-hmm. Oh, we we also forgot about Kefka's Ghost, which th- that one didn't have a clever name. It's flat out Kefka's Ghost, and and Bubble Moot. I didn't even remember Kefka's Ghost. Oh, I've got, oh. I've got the Wikipedia page with all the cards, which is pretty okay. much your, be- your best bestiary in this game. But yeah, it, it's a cute, fun little game. It's fun to kill a weekend with. Um, do you like being... A weekend is too much. How about an I, I to say maybe like an evening. Yeah. But I, I picked it up on a Steam sale for like $5, and I felt like I got my money's worth. I wouldn't pay more than the $5 to play it, to be honest, because it's so short. I don't remember what I paid for it, but it was definitely not the, something on the level of a brand new AAA thing, and that's fine. Uh, it, oh, yeah. It, if you it paid was super $60 cheap. for this, I would feel horrible for you. I don't even, th- I don't even think it was like $60 full price, I think 10 or something like that. Now I'm curious. So I don't think Steam shows prices of stuff is in your library. It might. Uh, ten dollars. Okay. Yeah, somewhere yeah. buried in your transaction history, you can find out how much you paid for a game. It's kind of actually embarrassing how much I have spent on Steam games when I looked at that in detail one day. Yeah, regular price it's ten dollars. I think I picked. I know I picked it up on a Steam sale just because I usually sort by lowest first and just put stuff in my cart until I hit twenty. And. Honestly, there's absolutely no reason to pay full price for it at this point when there will be a Steam sale. There's always another Steam sale. And for a Steam sale price of five bucks, it's fun. You can't go wrong. You really can't. Um, it's I, not going to outweigh its welcome. It's just not long enough for that. No. No, once you're sick of it, you're going to be done with it. And I imagine that if they kept up that any longer, like going into like PlayStation 2 graphics or something ridiculous like that, I imagine that it would start, the gimmick would start wearing thin. But it's fun. And. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I am actually genuinely surprised that that has not been ported anywhere other than um, mobile phones. I'm not even sure I want to play it on a mobile phone. This, there are a couple parts where you would want an attack button rather than oh. swipe the screen. Oh yeah, the um, I well one, it doesn't work with the uh, Xbox One controller because I have one hooked up to my PC, and it's a known bug that they haven't fixed. So that that was frustrating. So I had to d- dig out the old Logitech controller. And even then, playing with a controller, the controls were still kind of hard to get around. Ugh. Um, particularly in 3D mode, because you can't really... It looks like there's gaps in between the trees in 3D mode where there isn't. So trying to navigate the trees can be kind of a pain. And I know that I died a couple of times on bosses because I'd be mashing the sword swing button and not facing the right way, even though I knew that I was. But that that could also be my Logitech controller, because it's a very old controller. It may be time to retire it, but 
that's up to you. <laughs> I, I'm glad I didn't retire it because clearly my wireless controllers were weren't working either. <laughs> and wow. I don't I don't even know where the dongle is to my 360 controller. Okay, so so uh, yeah, so so Viva Land One sounded like a, a fun, albeit somewhat short. Five dollar experience was Evil Land. I, I also 2. noted that there were a number of typos in the text, and there isn't a whole lot of text. Well, they're giving you the authentic Ted Woosley experience, <laughs> except for going all the way from eight bit up to late nineties. So you should have tried to vary your text translation errors. The errors you get with your eight bit stuff aren't the same type of errors that you would get with Sony trying to throw artificial profanity into stuff. I, I, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. If, if a dev wants to come up, you know, listen to the show, hit me up on Twitter, tell me the real story. If not, I'm saying that they're going for Weasley. There are worse things. People people worship the guy now. Hey, I, I like Ted Weasley, but that's neither here nor there. He did his best for what he was getting. He translated Secret of Mana in six weeks. That's that's not bad. Yeah. So, do we want to move on to Evil Land 2? Phil, we need an intro! So, Evil AN2, a slight case of space-time continuum disorder, uh, was once again developed and published by Shiro Games, released on Microsoft Windows on August 25th, 2015, and later came out on Mac OS, uh, iOS, Apple TV, <laughs> that's where everyone plays it, and Android. This is a single-player action RPG experience. Okay, so I wrote the review for this one. Now, I, I haven't gotten very far. I, I mean, literally, while I was trying to finish up Evil in 1, I had this downloading in the background so that I could at least kind of play a little bit of it so that I could talk talk about it. Um, I'm only in the haunted forest right now. So Evil in 2, I literally had this downloading while I was in the middle of trying to beat the final boss in Evil in 1. And you, you said you had gotten up to the Haunted Forest, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's like, what, about a third through? Maybe a quarter. It's It's been three years. I can't remember clearly. It might even be earlier than a quarter. This is a, this is a more substantial game than the... It's still not very long, but it's definitely longer than the first one. Yeah, because when, when I looked up how long it was, I was actually genuinely surprised that uh, how long to beat put it at about 20 hours. And that sounds about right. I I blundered around a couple of times because when you play these things for review and you don't necessarily have the ability to look around at what other people have done for getting past certain spots, there are a couple points where I just kind of kept shifting between time periods trying to figure out, all right, where the heck am I supposed to go now until yeah. finally stumbling on it? Yeah, um, I, I gotta say, I'm... I'm pleased that they didn't just recycle, because I, I honestly thought that it was going to be, you know, just the same thing, start out as 8-bit, et cetera, et cetera. And when, you know, the whole gimmick was that when you go back in time, the graphics get more low res. I was kind of shocked by that. And um, I kind of appreciate that they didn't just make the whole game a rehash of the first games. Yeah, it's a nifty idea that the past looks like a Game Boy game. The present looks like a Super Nintendo game, and the future looks like, well, it looks kind of like a nice PlayStation stuff. Yeah, I haven't gotten to the future yet, so I didn't know that that was going to be a thing. Um, there are three time a... periods, so yeah, you're going to see. 
that, that that's pretty cool. And I'm also glad that this game has a much more fleshed out story stakes and uh, better characters and stuff like that. Well, Kelly, don't forget, our lead in this game is a mute amnesiac hero. We've oh, never, never seen never that been, before. That's never been done. This is never. breaking new ground in RPGs. I can't believe that no people have had done this before Evil Land 2 came along. But the, the game is very aware of it because uh, your f- female character, whose name is escaping me right now, pretty much is like, wow, you're real talk." Yeah, Fina is like, wow, you're real talkative, huh? Yeah, and I noted in my review that the dialogue was pretty good at establishing character, pretty witty, and also not nearly as typo-ridden as the first game, which is mm-hmm. a plus. But um, I've I've had a lot of fun with the combat in it thus far. Uh, I just got through this the 2D sewer dungeon, which was pretty cool. Um, I remember that. There were a couple other points like that. I remember a couple of them involving some bouncing issues where you're going to have to find exactly the right way to get up in the style of a platformer, which, well, if you've played platformers, you know that making exactly the right jump can be interesting. I definitely appreciated the Teenage Mutant Ninja Squirrels with the appropriate colored masks in the Coliseum. And let's see, this one also tries out several other styles of game. There's, it happens once. You are going to get into a fighting game, Matt. Oh, I haven't gotten that far. I remember the game having some serious glitches when I got there. I don't even remember how I managed to win. I just did somehow, and I think it was a bug that shouldn't have allowed me to win, but it did anyway. Hopefully that's been fixed by now. Uh, the, the only real mini game I managed to do was the um, the McDonald's mini game where you had to uh, be a waitress at the restaurant. And I kept forgetting people's orders because apparently I have the memory of a goldfish. And by the time it ended, there were some pretty frustrated customers. But luckily, I managed to make some money and then just did the other odd job to go get the rest of the money for that little scene where you need to like raise, what, $250 or 250 gold or something like that to get the passage through to get out of the Empire Town. Yeah. I'm I'm remembering this. This this was what led into going through the sewers in the 2D platform section. Mm-hmm. And you'll well, you'll you'll also near the later in the game get to see both a side scrolling and uh, a front scrolling shoot 'em up section. Oh, that's great! Did you did you know that I'm cursed to love shoot 'em ups but be terrible at them? I didn't because I don't think they've come up before. <laughs> I love shoot 'em ups, but my god, I cannot play them for the life of me. But I try. And you'll get a beat 'em up section. Ooh. Oh, I did play through a stealth section though, which I was fairly amused when he got the brilliant idea to run around in a cardboard box and Fina yells at you, is like, Why do you you idiot, why did you think or why do you think that's a good idea? And when you get through the stealth section she's like, Huh, those guards must be really dumb. Well, it worked for Hideo Kojima. It works here. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. This is an incredibly original idea that has never been tried before. I forgot. Yes. And you will also get – there's a continent that you will reach where all of the battles are in a tactical style. (laughs) I'm I'm probably going to need to finish this. Yeah. Because the whole game sounds fun. Yeah, and again, it manages to not go – to not take too long 
where by the time you're ready for it to end, it's about ready to end also. That's good. Because while it's fun to go through all this plethora of different things, it doesn't really do any of them as well as something that specializes in one particular type of game would. It's just more for variety's sake rather than because it does the variety incredibly well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I can imagine that some of these segments could w- wear out their welcome if they went too far. And I noted that there were a couple of puzzles that gave me issues, though they may not give you issues. Everybody seems to have different types of puzzles that they're really good at and not. And, of course, I didn't even mention what the heck those puzzles were because it was writing a review and not a lengthy fact on the game, but they exist. Is there Simon? I don't remember it right now. Uh, bunches of ish, images of Evil Land Two are flashing ahead, and I'm not remembering which puzzles were. Oh no, there's as long as there's somebody in a magic school, and you have to. Uh, what the hell was it? No, I don't think Simon was part of it, but that could just be my memory failing me. Okay, as long as there's not Simon, I'm good because that's the one type of puzzle that I am awful at. Simon and ice puzzles. I think there may have been an ice puzzle, but I may be getting my memories no. scratch around. I haven't. I've played too many games. They're all blending together. Ah. But yeah. I mean, would you recommend both of these games in the package? Or if you're going to play one, at least play Evil End 2, since that one's more twice the price, but a little more fleshed out? Yeah, I found good things in both of them. Neither of them is a masterpiece. Make the. Let's be clear here. It's the variety and the novelty of the experience that makes them fun to play. Not because you're going to be boggled by, wow, this is such amazing. I I can't believe they did it so well. But there's something to be said for managing to do a constant stream of novelty and not feeling like it's a complete and utter gimmick. And both of these managed to do it well enough that I enjoyed my time with them. I'm also oh. glad that they didn't needlessly pad themselves out more than they had to. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Cool. Well, uh, I feel like that sentiment, at least for me, continues. A little foreshadowing there. As we waltz into a 3D dot game Heroes, developed by Silicon Studio, uh, published in North America by Atlas USA. This was released on the PlayStation 3 in North America on May 11th, 2010. This is another ZRPG single-player experience. ZRPGs, if you don't know, are Zelda-like RPGs. It's a new acronym that I just made up. You know, I've got a spreadsheet. <laughs> no, seriously, like, I've got a spreadsheet with all of my role-playing games, and, and the genre a lot of these is RPG, and then I have, a, like, a you know an acronym for the subgenre. Um, and I have ARPG, you know, a lot of them DRPG, you know, Dungeon Crawler, JRPG, WRPG, but they're ZRPG. But Phil, how are we going to fit this into a theme month? There's no month that starts with Z. I know, right? It's time for ZRPG September. You, you need to patent that term and then charge each outlet a nickel every time they use it. Right? And, and, and you'll be rich. Well, you yeah. know, I can I can fit ZRPG in somewhere because I'm the guy who changes the name of months. I'm calling October FMLtober because it is very. They just piled all the work on me this month, and we're switching to computer system, new computer systems, and I'm just going to be living at my job for the next three weeks. Ouch. But that's a different story. We're talking about 3D dot game heroes. 
Who uh, does anybody want to talk about the story here? I think I can sum up the story pretty well. So, so you have there, there's kind of a backstory to this game. The the backstory is that long, at least a few generations ago, there was like an evil lord who was sealed away using a triforce. Wait, no, excuse me, a non legally actionable or it was all non legally actionable or that they used to seal them away. And now a new bad guy has come along and has taken those Triforce, I, I mean, non-legally actionable orb, and used it to unseal the bad guy. So now you are the descendant of the original great hero who has to go and save the uh, kingdom by collecting the orb. Totally not Triforce. Totally. Not getting sued by Nintendo. Totally. <laughs> well, you know, they are sue happy. <laughs> Is, what, what would it be? Trinity power or um triple uh mass i I'm, I'm trying to come up with something that would get the point across but not be really actionable and maybe this, there's this a game, way you could do it <laughs> yeah this game definitely towed it, it toes the line between homage and outright copying but it's it's a lot of fun um very much in that old school 8 16 bit zelda vein and it's done with almost well now it would be a very obviously like a a Minecraft aesthetic with the uh, the actual little three dimensional blocks where everything in the game all the uh, all the buildings all the enemies are made up like that. Whenever you kill an enemy, blocks like go everywhere. Um, and, and that was one of the big part one of the big appeals of the game was that like they had a really extensive character creator where you could just create big three you know you could create any sort of three-dimensional image you wanted to like one block at a time and you can upload your creations to a site and download them which i which is my only experience with this game pretty much was messing around with the creator and loading them to atlas atlas's site i was trying to look it up i swear there was some like sony related characters like kratos and stuff that you could download too but been a long time. Yeah, I mean, I had to, like, way back machine the site to even see what kind of creations were out there, because it, it, that that site's long gone. But the game itself plays like one of those, like, 8 and 16-bit Zelda games. Like, if you ever crave one of those top-down Zelda, you know, the old-school Zelda, this is just one of those. With a, with a few, a little bit more tongue-in-cheek humor, a little bit more... Um, I mean, the other big thing I remember about the, in terms of the gameplay mechanics were, was the sword when you had absolutely full health, the weapons would have like some sort of special move just, well, you know, very much like, uh, you know, original Zelda. But in this case, like some of the swords would like take up almost the entire screen when you were full health. Yeah. I remember seeing screenshots of that particular sword and how, how game breaking was that? Incredibly. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> then, then the only challenge was just trying to keep your health at full. That was the absolute only challenge. Make sure no one, no one touches you as you get into a screen, and then you could just wipe things out. <laughs> like, it was game-breaking in a fun way. I think it was also actually published in Japan by From Software. I don't know how much they had to do with it, but I remember there was, like, a... Uh, there was this uh, Easter egg for... Uh, demon souls in it like there was the, like this cave that you was a cave or well you could go to and there there you could hear people like screaming i the only thing easter egg i remember was somebody making a reference to armored core and that was <laughs> it 
bear, bear in mind, I didn't play very much of this at all. I, I remember getting it and dabbling in it a little bit and then getting just completely distracted by something else. As happened. Yep. The, the new shiny. Yep. Yeah, I remember playing it and beating it, but it has been a long time. I don't remember the story well. Not not that it has a incredibly deep story. You collect the orbs and you seal away the bad guy and, you know, save the save the realm. What was the other big, like, the other unique, like, thing about it? Like, originally the realm had been 2D and the king decided that it, like, looked kind of, like, it looked kind of drab, so we're going to go 3D. And that yeah, was the, the that king was like the, makes, sorry, the, the king makes a very tongue-in-cheek reference about how nobody gives a crap about 2D anymore, so he's going to make the realm 3D. And thus, yeah. that's why everything's blocky, because it's just, you know, like, we just added the third dimension out. <laughs> yeah, and and this was before the real, I, I feel like it was before the real retro revolution hit. Yeah, I looked like Minecraft, like, predated this by, like, four or five months, but just barely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, now you can just shake a stick on Steam and find retro games out the wazoo, but back, when when did this come out? 2010? Yeah, I mean, that it really seemed like indie games were just kind of hitting their stride, and granted, this isn't an indie game, but you don't have nearly the retro stuff that you do, do now. Yeah, it was very, it, it definitely scratched an itch that at that time really wasn't, yeah, it was before the indie boom, and, and you know, now there are tons and tons of, like, Zelda likes, but back then, this this was your, your one way into, like, a retro Zelda-style game, on, especially on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I remember Adrian on our, on our site got pretty excited about it, and I don't think he's talked about it since, because it seems to have fluted from his mind since then. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, it's not exactly a really deep game, but it, it, it is a fun game. And unfortunately, it bombed horribly in Japan, so they've never done another one. It did quite well here in the West. I think it sold like 160,000 units. 160,000 units, which was six times the amount they had anticipated. So I'm just imagining they made this game thinking that they were only going to sell like 30,000 or something like that, 25,000 units um, at what? I think it actually came out like $40. I don't believe it was a $60 release. It was very cheap. Yeah, so... 25,000 times 40,000 bucks. You were hoping to just, you know, gross. What is that? A million? Um, and then anyway, uh, you know, my experience, I played this, uh, well after it had come out and, you know, it's really funny. My, my estimation or, or my feeling on this is actually kind of, a uh, amalgam of everything you guys have just said on the other games. There were errors. There were. It wasn't the best game, but it, it's good. Um, it's cute, uh, it, but there were errors. Like so, I, the cuteness grabs you. The gore, the graphics are gorgeous. That pixelated look, but with a lot of filters and shinies and stuff. That somebody walking by, especially on a good TV, is gonna be like, "Ooh!" And high contrast. That you know, the Zelda type of contrast. Ooh, that's so pretty. Um, and I, you know, I, it's fun for the first, you know, few hours. But I ran, uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and, and the dungeons were, were kind of cool. I don't feel like they were as well-designed, you know, as Zelda. But, you know, uh, you know, while it was bright and shiny and new, it was certainly fun for me. Uh, but just right when the shine started to wear off and I'm like, okay, starting to feel a little bit by the numbers, I had gone through a big part of this longer dungeon and it froze. Mm. It hard froze. And, you know, it doesn't – I think it does – like auto save or maybe you have to save back with some old guy or something like that but the whole point is 
It was hard froze. I had to get up, reset my PlayStation, and then it had me way back in Timbuktu. I gave it a middle finger, and I walked away. <laughs> and I haven't looked back since because I'm like, screw you, 3D dot game heroes. I don't want to find out. I couldn't believe. I mean, it's so rare to have a PlayStation game hard freeze on you. And especially it's been out for a while. There was If there was a needed patch, I don't know if it's just a weird, weird, weird thing, but it was. Oh, goodness. Maybe someday we'll do an XCOM reboot backtrack and I can tell you my story about playing that on the PS3. Oh, um, the game, yeah, the game received generally positive reception from critics, according to our good friends at Wikipedia. Uh, it got a 77 on Metacritic, 30 out of 40 on Famatsu, and most importantly, got an 8.5 on IGN. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how you know it's good. IGN. Yeah. Well, well, 8.5 on IGN is actually pretty low. Yeah, I guess you're right there, Mike. I mean, anything that gets under a 9 on IGN uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all right. Yeah, oh, that's funny. And when uh, it gets under a seven on IG, and you know that, oh, when you- burn it, Dad. burn it, just just burn it. Uh, so, anyways, um, uh, but but you can get you. I mean, generally speaking, I guess I should have prepared and actually looked this up ahead of time. But uh, I mean, I've seen this game so cheap over the years, uh, just in bargain bins or whatever have you. I'll see if I can just pull it up real quick on Amazon. Hopefully, my typing isn't too loud for you guys. Try to type <laughs> quietly. It's Who knows? ooh thirty eight bucks. Okay, that it genuinely surprises me that it's uh, not become this exorbitantly priced game because of how obscure it is yeah. and how, hmm. how little it's sold. Ooh, so you're saying that copy that I started using for a coaster might actually be worth something? It, it could be. All right, let's take a look at our good friend uh, eBay. Uh, whew, $33.99. I just need to hold on to it for another few years and wait for some of these copies just to break and die out. If 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 I was a betting person, I would... Well, isn't it also available digitally? Probably, Ooh, maybe not. Maybe, yeah, let's see here. Sony Store. Uh, it's early enough, it might not have been. Yeah. Uh, PlayStation Store, PlayStation 3 game. Now, GameStop, uh, while I was pulling that up, I got a GameStop advertisement for fourteen ninety nine. So if that's true, go and buy it and sell on eBay. Make yourself a $20 profit. Um, but, uh, yeah, I... Da, 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 still trying to pull it up. It does not have a price. I can add it to the wish list. It's disc only. Yep, there it is, okay. disc only. So no digital on that one. So, yeah, okay. I, 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 for me personally, not worth $40. $15, buy it. Uh, if you can find it on a GameStop near you, if that advertisement's true... Uh, and you can find it for 15 bucks, worth 15 bucks, and then uh, get your enjoyment out of it, and then pop it on eBay. Make yourself a profit. Ha! <laughs> ha! You got a you got game, you got game experience and a profit. But gorgeous as hell, and when you do have the, when you are at full health and you're using the big ass sword that's all over the screen, it, 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 it is fun. It's just, <laughs> it's just fun to go around and whack everybody with a really huge ass sword. And that, I don't really think that gets old. It's so, no. it takes up the whole freaking screen. It's so um, much fun. It is, <laughs> like, that doesn't get old. Um, Does whacking things with a sword ever get old? No. No, it doesn't. Uh, no. Uh, any last thoughts on 3D Dot Game Heroes before we move on? I'm good. All right, cool. Uh, then uh, let us take a tiny little break real quick. I just want to hit the save button. Uh, so we will be right back.
welcome back. We're ready to talk about Undertale, a role-playing video game created by American indie developer Toby Fox, published by the same. Uh, this was released on a whole bunch of different platforms, Microsoft Windows, OS X, Linux, PlayStation 4, PlayStation Vita, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, released in not no, 3ds not 3d no. uh, it's not on the list okay. and wikipedia is never wrong uh released uh in north america originally on september 15th 2015 but if you look at the switch we just got that less than a month ago this is a single player rpg experience with a lot of love out there for it who wants to start no, this was this game was originally made in Game Maker Studio, which, from what I was told or what I heard, doesn't play well with uh, the 3DS um, software. And yeah, it, I mean, it started out as an indie game. Um, Toby Fox actually got his start doing Earthbound uh, ROM hacks before making this game, and I think he's also famous for doing something with Homestuck. Didn't he do some music for Homestuck or something like that? Yeah, yeah I, I know that, I do know that he was pretty much primarily a music person before he decided yeah. to get into programming. That's why he had to use something like Game Maker. Yeah, Game Maker. But, I mean, um, what, what's there to say about Undertale? It's the game that launched a thousand memes. Yeah, it's the game that, if you don't know what you're in for, is going to completely, like... Uh, absolutely toy with your expectations in a lot of fun ways. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we love to spoil things on the show, but you're better served with Undertale going and not knowing anything about it before. Oh, absolutely. Um, that, that, that being said, um, good luck trying not to go, go in blind because the game has been talked about so damn much since yeah. it came out that it's kind of hard not to know anything about it, but, um, you basically play, well, uh, let's go back to the history. It, it takes place in a world where there was a huge war between monsters and, and the monsters got banished to the underworld. And you start out as a kid that falls down a hole in Mount Ebbett, which is a anagram for Toby. And one of the first things you encounter when you fall into the underground is a flower who tells you that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he at he tells you that, you know, the way that you get around in the underground is you collect love pellets. And he shoots these love pellets at you, and then you get hurt, and then he calls you a fool and is about ready to kill you. And then you're saved by a goat lady named Toriel. And are we going to go through the whole story, or do you just want to hit the beats? I think it's good to hit the beats. Okay. Like, yeah, they, the story is... I mean, I uh, think it's, it's it's more about the beats. Like, there's the overall story, but it's really about kind of your interactions with the various colorful characters in the game. Yeah, so, so basically your goal is to get out of the underground and get back to the human world. And these monsters have been trapped in the underground for God knows how long, and they have been wanting to get out. And they say that they need a human soul to get out. So you're trying to get through while fight while facing these monsters that want this whole human soul and want to kill you. And when, when that saying it out loud, it sounds like a very dark story, but it's actually not because some of the monsters that you face are idiots. <laughs> um, one of them is psychotic, but because she's so psychotic, she ends up failing. Um, one of them is a huge anime nerd. And you've also got the killer TV role. 
killer TV robot is the best. Oh, absolutely the best. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if we want to spoil the story or not. Uh, you get to the end and you find out that you needed set the monsters actually needed seven souls to get out, and you're the seventh soul, and you get in a fight with the king of the underworld at um, Asgore Dreamer and you can decide to either kill well no you can't spare him because he he breaks the mercy button at the end of the game or at the beginning of the fight and then the flower kills him and you have the choice to spare or not spare the flower and then he tells you to play the game again and find a better way and that's the gimmick of this game is that the game knows what you're doing mm-hmm. uh, at the beginning you meet the the goat, the goat mob named Toriel who tries to stop you from leaving her house in the ruins because she knows that everybody's trying to kill you and she's trying to protect you and she says face me you're um I want you. To, I want to see if you're strong enough, and then you get in a fight with her, and from there you can decide whether or not to kill, kill her or spare her. And if you're like me, you accidentally killed her. I did too. Well, yeah, I did too. And yeah, this is the point where the game blew my mind because I was yeah. like, I don't want to do that, so I'm going to reload a past save, and go back to the same fight, and. Uh, the character talks like, oh, you reloaded a save. I forget the exact words, but basically the game knows you reloaded the save. He, he, it's, a flower. It, it's a flower. And he basically says, I know what you did. You think you're so clever yeah. going back to an old file when I know exactly what you did and you can't just get away get away with it like that. And that, that blew my mind. And yeah, then he, that, that really blew my mind. It's like, okay, this game is something else. I mean, it's all just clever programming and stuff like that, but, you know, as a gamer that's been doing this for 20-some years, you're not used to your actions being tested like that. So that's pretty much how you've got to play the game, is you've got to live with your decisions, or else... This, I I only did, did it the one time. I don't know if the flower chides you each time that you try it. Probably. I, I imagine I so. Know. Yeah. And the entire game is very fourth-wall breaking... Oh yeah, just like that. Yeah, and, um, and that's kind of the thing about the game. You look at like screenshots and pictures. It's like, oh, this looks like, like uh, a traditional JRPG, somewhat styled after like Earthbound, other class games like that. And you start playing like that, and it uses those expectations to completely f with you. <laughs> yes, um, the, the the graphics are very basic. I mean. It's rudimentary 8-bit stuff like that. The graphics are not going to blow you away in this game whatsoever. They get the job done now. um, Yeah, until you get to the final battle with Photoshop Chloe, and then your mind's going to be blown. (laughs) Or you're not going to be able to sleep, one of the two. Um, And, I mean, the the best part without it, well... Two of the best parts about this game. One is the character, because for me, it's one of those games that I forget that that I love the character so much that I forget that they're just pixels on a screen <laughs> talking to me. Uh, so many of them are just so well written and just beyond hilarious. Especially Sans, who's my um, favorite. Sans is my favorite. He's the lazy skeleton that's so lazy that he's almost a nihilist. Um, Papyrus, who wants to be the captain of the World Guard, that's just a complete idiot, but he's so funny that you can't help 
but just be endeared by him. Um, un, un, is it Undine? I never know how to pronounce it. Me neither. Um, Undine is a psychotic fish that is the captain of the Royal Guard that is trying to kill you. And her whole thing is that she's this great warrior and she's psychotic and she throws spears at you. And, um, you, you know, you can choose how you want to play this game if you want to spare all the monsters to get a better ending you can or you kill all of them and get a better ending and with all the major characters who are boss fights if you spare them then later on you can go and hang out with them and I'm curious although I probably feel really bad doing it I'd like to see what happens if you kill some of these major characters so I probably will have to play through like that at some point so here's the thing The, the, the game I mean we say that this game messes up if you try to grind like you would in a normal RPG, you'll enter genocide mode. And the the entire game changes. You don't see NPCs anywhere. The music goes from all happy to being all dire. And all the boss fights that you have done just, just get, like, super powerful. But because you're super powerful, too, you can also one-shot them. And the, the funny thing about genocide mode is that when you get to the very end... And you end up fighting Sands, and he he only has one hit point, but you've got to outlast him. Um, <clears throat> I I equated his fight to the Turbo Tunnel in Battletoads because it's so hard, Ooh. and I I couldn't do it. Um, I wanted to see what would happen, and I'm I'm just too bad at this game to be able to do that fight. And that's the thing about the fights in this game is that it's not just you know press a button. It's um basically a shoot 'em up where you have a heart that represents your life and all of the monsters shoot bullets at you and you have to dodge them and each boss fight has a different mechanic um papyrus is, is a platformer uh metatons is a shoot 'em up see what else Undines is uh, you stand in the center and you can't move, so you have to block her attacks. And it's very clever because of how this fight works that you can you can play through the entire game and not kill a single monster, yeah. and you can also survive. And that's the whole gimmick of the game. It's a friendly RPG where no one has to die. Yes. Isn't it quite hard to trigger the genocide mode? Yes, actually it is. It took me about three tries before... Uh, I mean, I just went through and I killed all the major bosses, and I still wasn't getting the the, the quote-unquote bad ending, so I had to look it up, and you basically have to run around stationary on the map and just start killing everything in an area, and a countdown goes down to say how many monsters are left and once the all once you've killed all the monsters in an area there's no more random encounters I, yeah i killed all the major bosses but i was nowhere near genocidal enough to even see that countdown so as i got towards yeah. the end i was like oh no i i'm going for a middle middle ending <laughs> and the really screwy thing about this game is that um well, you have to beat it twice. You have to play through normally, and then Flowey at the end tell, tells you to find a better way, and at that point you can either trigger the pacifist route or the genocide route. Um, if you play genocide first and then pacifist, it basically ruins your game, and you get a bad ending after the versus pacifist where everybody lives happily ever after, and if you try to restart the game... 
um, Flowey pops up and says, look, everybody is doing okay, and the only one with the power to reset it is you. Are you sure you want to um, ruin everybody's happy ending? <laughs> and, I mean, it really... You know, the first time I did that, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this side route, but I really want to see what happens. And then I got stuck at the sand fight, and I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm never... Uh, I guess I'm never going to finish the genocide route, so I, I YouTubed it, and then when um, the PlayStation version came out, I ended up rebuying the game, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to play the pacifist route, and everybody's going to have their happy ending, because there's no no way in hell I'm doing genocide. <laughs> uh, Good to know I didn't keep going the way I was going. I, I, I had, By the end of the first area, I'd messed that up. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, w- watch that fight on YouTube. Um, I, I actually have friends that to play that mode because of how dire it is. Uh, but yeah, that, that fight on YouTube, you'll be glad that you kind of skipped over it because that fight is just... It's a rough fight. And there's no real reward for it other than just seeing what happens. Um, right. You can and, and, look up on YouTube anyway. Yeah. And, the, and you know, the last aspect of this game and what makes it so good is the music. Oh yeah. Uh, every single track in the game is just beautiful. Um, you've got a very serene song like the Snowden song, which just you know makes me think of Christmas. Um, very happy tunes. You've got rock and dance music with the fight with Metaton and a track called "Death by Glamour." That is probably my favorite track in a video game ever. And I, I will say there is one reason to play to play the genocide mode and get to Santa's fight because I think he has the best song in the entire game. Uh, uh, Megalovania, I think it's called. Yeah, Megalovania. Isn't that a song oh. from Homestuck? Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, um, I, think, I, I think it is actually. He he may very well have uh, remixed some of the uh, other tracks, but. Oh, even if you don't want to play the game, just look up the soundtrack on YouTube or download it's great. it. Yeah, if you love <laughs> it's it. so if, good. If you like any sort of like chip tuny music, it's just it's great. Yes, I mean, have have we gushed enough? Is yeah, there any I, dissent? I, I mean, I think this is just like a an awesome example of doing a lot with a little. Like you know, we talked about like there's not a lot to the graphics. Uh, you know the mu- music is awesome, but yeah, it's chipped tune music. But it, the the game just does so much, and it doesn't like overstates welcome anything or anything. It's not super long. It's just you know, it's it's one of those games you point subject. to and say, yeah, yeah. you know, this is what I have indie RPGs, no matter which indie way indie games turn can do. On this, period. yeah, I, I mean, period. I, I think this, with my most recent Switch playthrough, I got through both modes or. Got through the entire thing in about five, six hours, because I knew what I was doing. Yeah, it's it's not super long, but I mean, you you will enjoy pretty much every moment. <sighs> and I, I, and it's also one of those games that you just find yourself clicking on everything because you want to see what kind of flavor text was was written about it and how trolly some of the flavor text is. <laughs> And just how, like, yeah, trolley some of the stuff is. Like, I just, when I was playing it before, I went to, like, a shop and hit the sell button. And, you know, the the guy there basically makes fun of you. It's like, what do you think this is? <laughs> a pawn shop? Yeah. 
did you play the PlayStation version at all? The on Vita, yeah. Did you get all the achievements? No, because I haven't I haven't beaten it yet. I'm okay. At the end boss, I haven't beaten it yet. Um, the way you get all the achievements in the PlayStation version is probably the most trolly thing I've ever experienced in a video game. Yeah, I got all the achievements in that that little added room where you have to just yeah. keep putting coins. <laughs> yeah. And as you're putting in coins, they they, they, go out of, they go out of their way to make it more and more annoying. I think you actually get like a silver trophy in there after a while. You're like bronze, bronze, silver, silver. I, that was what, the first half hour of the game? Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, they, they um, t- Toby clearly wanted to troll people that are trophy hunters because yeah. you can get all of the achievements. Yeah. So I, just pulled, I just pulled up the trophies, so I have uh, some of the trophy names here. Mm-hmm. Don't worry, I have lots of ideas for trophies. Like getting items, or getting more items. Help me, I'm out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was funny. <laughs> but you know, I'm glad he did it like that so that you didn't have to do the genocide stuff if you didn't want to. Because yeah. that's how most hacky people probably would have done the trophies. And I'm glad that he kind of kept that in mind. Yeah, and this so this will end up being one of the easier platinums, I think, out there. Yeah, yeah, I got it. It didn't take me very long at all. Uh, and uh, I ended up buying this game like three times. Well, actually, three, four, because I think I bought the physical collector's edition and then ended up buying... Uh, the buying it on PSN anyway because it was cross buy, and you got a uh, you got a free um, PS4 theme to go with it. That's a, that's a really beautiful little rendition of one of the main songs. Uh, and then I ended up buying it on Switch again, which um, Switch has a different boss fight in that uh, dog room than the PlayStation version. You actually fight a uh, love doll of the uh, kissy Mew Mew character. <laughs> oh hey, I just looked at it now. You don't even have to beat the game to get the platinum. Nope. Which is awesome. Very I have awesome. to go back and get this platinum. I actually have zero platinum, so that would be pretty awesome as my first. <laughs> oh, it's the it's annoying, but it's the easiest platinum you'll ever get. I just hope you like pressing the A button a whole bunch of times. Or it's I guess easier than uh, putting a hundred hours into something. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, I'm PlayStation, it's X button. Um, I'm holding an Xbox, or PlayStation controller right now, you're right, X. Right at the bottom, just... So, I, don't, I don't know why, fun fact, I did fan art of Metaton uh, dressed like David Lee Roth, because for some reason, <laughs> I got in my head that, you know, Metaton is pretty much a robot version of David Lee Roth. And some, some of the stuff that the fans have created for this game has just been amazing, seeing all the, the fan art and stories and all of the different remixes of the songs and stuff like that. It's good stuff. Yep. And lot, like, like you said, lots of memes out there. Yes. Memes, memes, lots of them. I, I'm personally a fan of all the Undertale vines. <laughs> I, I think we've gushed enough about this game. We have more to get to, Phil. Then I have to ask if you guys. By the way, this works better when you turn off the mute. I have to ask if Weren't you we guys. Have somebody who wanted to slightly tarnish the the, the shine of Undertale a little bit, or was I imagining that? <laughs> no, that was me. I, I was not a big fan of it. I 
Phil, I've heard you say this a lot of times. When I'm playing the game, I just want to get in and kill a bunch of monsters. Yeah, kill monsters. Woo! You can kill a bunch of monsters. You'll feel bad I... about it, but you can do it. <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't feel that bad, and then I didn't kill enough monsters. So that, that the, the game didn't the game didn't work for me enough. I didn't want to befriend them. I wanted to kill them. But then I didn't want to grind and grind and grind in a game I knew it was going to be four or five hours, make it ten hours, and get that bad ending. So, and reading everywhere, all I hear is, it's a bad ending. It's a bad ending. And Oh, the, that ending is nightmare. Genocide. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I kind of walked that line, and, you know, I got the... Eh, whatever. I got the so-so ending. I didn't. I didn't go all pacifist. I didn't go all genocide. I was like, you couldn't make up your mind. You wanted to kill things, but you didn't want to kill enough of them. It, the game itself, I would definitely say people should give it a try. I mean, what, you're going to pick it up for five bucks on pretty much any sale or less than that. Um, and if you want to spend ten on it, it's probably worth that too. I spent ten on it. I don't feel that I was in any way cheated by it. I uh, got to see what all the fuss was about. Um, it just wasn't for me. All the, everything you said, I get it. It just I wanted I wanted to kill more things, <laughs> but maybe I didn't want to kill enough. So well, you know, I have there is a series I can recommend about killing monsters, killing monsters, or hunting them. You might yes, hunting them. You may say. I have no idea what you're talking about. This sounds like an completely underappreciated and unknown series, especially to listeners of the RPG Backtrack. Yeah. Indeed. I, Yep, yeah, because we haven't talked about it before. This, that's what makes it a big secret. Right. Uh, in the United States, not translated. God either. God. You mean it's not coming up soon. You mean it's not Final Fantasy Explorers? Uh, Crystal, uh, Crystal Chronicles. Uh, well, anyways, moving on. I wonder if you guys have such high praise for the next. By the way, after. After New Guy left his comments about Undertale, we never heard from New Guy again. Anyways, uh, Pierce, uh, Pierre Solar and the Great Architects. Uh, this is a homebrew RPG developed and published by Watermelon for the Sega Genesis. Uh, this was released uh, worldwide on December 20th, 2010. A little late in the Genesis life cycle. Uh, yeah, it was put onto digital platforms. <laughs> but also released on PlayStation 3, 4, Windows, OS X, Linux, and Ouya, which is where everyone's <laughs> playing it, as well as the Wii U, Xbox One, uh, and uh, Dreamcast on <laughs> October 25th, 2015. Is everybody rushed There's to get that? There's a Dreamcast edition. <laughs> That's what it says, and we know Wikipedia is never wrong. Uh, this is, is there a Saturn edition? <laughs> just, you know, the Android and PS Vita TBA, so... Uh yeah, not sure what's going on with those guys, but this is a single player. Why yeah? Why is it we got on the Dreamcast and we don't have it on the Vita? Uh, this is a single player RPG experience, and it must be awesome since it's released on a dozen platforms. So I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about this gym that I've never played. Well, Kelly, you were starting to say something. No, it's just well. First off, it's bound out on the Saturn because the Saturn's a fair to program for but I, I have a feeling that the vita version isn't going to happen you know unless somebody like has some devotion and i mean devotion to getting that port out there the system out there why would it not come to the vita oh. because sony stinks at marketing its platforms its portable platforms in particular that right oh poor vita 
RIP. At least Vita didn't have Sony try and force the UMD format on it, right? Oh, God. I saw Charlie's Angel on UMD in the pawn shop last week. Wait, how is that not sold? Uh, okay, Pure Solar and the Great Architect. I did not play this on the Genesis. I could have, but its initial Genesis release, for some reason, is kind of expensive. I can't imagine why a Genesis game released in 2010 would be expensive. Can anyone else? It isn't like repo carts where you have to sacrifice a donor cart in order to get copies of it? No, it's a genuine cart that they make with uh, a cart with a case and a manual. Just this, the presses to make Genesis carts haven't been functional for a while. So if you need a, an authentic new Genesis cart, for some reason, it's going to cost you. Actually, you know, let's see. I'm going to look on eBay right now and see what a Pierre Solar on Genesis. Dang it, Phil. The instant I looked on it, eBay tries to autofill Pierre Solar Dreamcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Get your copy today. Okay, okay, let's see. Let's see. Completed listings. What have we got here? Oh, no, people aren't buying it at the low, low price of $170. Somebody did buy it at the low, low price of $80, though. Is it just the card or is it the whole shebang? Uh, I, I have to look at the listing to be sure. Rare reprint blister pack, free shipping. Ooh, somebody in Canada sold it for $52 plus $7 shipping, which... Complete in box, Mega Drive. And the soundtrack on... Just the soundtrack for Dreamcast sold for $50? I don't get it. Yeah, you, you also get the soundtrack with this thing. Which comes in two for flavors because the soundtrack is both for the Genesis cart and for the Sega CD! Yeah, I think if you have a Genesis Sega CD, you can put the... Um... CD and the, Genesis, the Sega CD tray for this and have Red Book Audio instead yep. of Oops and Beeps. Which is cool. I wish the actual Genesis games would have done that. Well, they kind of did. All you had to do was get the Sega CD version and even if nothing else was changed, the soundtrack would usually be a lot bit nicer. Yeah, but... that's true. Alright, so Pierre Solar, eventually someone at Watermelon realized you know, even if it's a labor of love, we're, we should probably put this onto another platform because there just aren't that many dedicated Genesis ready and willing to shell out for. I think this thing cost 150 bucks when it was new, and that I may be undervaluing it. I I cannot remember. I suppose Phil, does Wiki say what it, the initial cost of the first launch series was? Mm, that might be beyond Wiki's. Uh... There's a lot of text here, but I'm not seeing dollar figures. I can't... This seems like the sort of thing that Wiki would mention. It's very important. Is it very important? If you want your authentic Pierre Solar and the Great Architect experience on an authentic Sega Genesis console, then yeah, it you is. Know, you know what it does have, though? It's this link to a review by some Jew May Sin person. I can't imagine where, where that would have come from. Hey, look at that. Gave it a high score. Who's this Jim Mason? He sounds cool. Yeah, he likes the game. It, yeah, I, I can't. I have no idea where that came from. Clearly, we're just getting uh, random Google putting things together from disparate bits of text. That that couldn't have been 
anything produced by someone on this cast, no. All right, all right. So say you don't want to play it on the Genesis. For I can't imagine why you wouldn't, but say you want to play it on Steam or on your PS4 or, well, you can't play it on the Vita, sadly. <laughs> but what are you going to get with Pierre Solar and the Great Architects? Uh, how far did you get, Kelly? Oh, God, I think that first forest and that was it. I got distracted by shiny objects and just never got around to I I want to play it, though, um, just because, you know, I was a Genesis kid growing up, so it's definitely my aesthetic. Yeah, and that cart had 64 megs. Remember when the when the packages would say the meg count? The 4-megabyte cartridge. The 8-megabyte cartridge. Well, even Street Super Street Fighter 2 on Genesis was 40 megs, so Pierre Solar is 64 megs! That's that's 60% more megs than Super Street Fighter 2! Whoa. That's a lot of megs. It is. And you can tell because it does look damn good for Genesis game. The HD version, which makes the backgrounds look very, very nice, but doesn't touch the pixelated character sprites is an odd mix that I don't fully understand because it gives you a blend of things that are very nice for your surroundings and it gives you the things that move which look they look like good 16-bit sprites but they still look like 16-bit sprites and it doesn't gel with the new HD style at all and makes you go with ah Cognitive dissonance. I can't take it. Um. You know, I I thought that I was going crazy when I was playing this game and thinking, man, these sprites, the, the backgrounds look amazing, but the sprites just look kind of meh. Am I seeing things? No, that's the HD version where the backgrounds got the beauty treatment and the sprites didn't. Someone can probably explain why that happened at what I'm sure it will be interesting. So, all right, yeah. Now, this matters because when you play Pure Solar, you are going to find out that the developers had a real thing for labyrinthine designs. In towns, you get to blunder around for a while. Is that a door? No, that's not a door. Dang, this house is huge. How many doors does it have? And, not, and only this one seemed to work. Oh, crap. There's something under here I couldn't even see. And then you get to a dungeon. We, we have our standard 16-bit dungeon here with random battles. It's not a very high encounter rate, nor does it need to be when these dungeon rooms are huge. And you'll go on a dead-end path that goes for about two screens before you finally realize, oh, crap, it doesn't go anywhere. And then, and of course, you'll get into fights while you're in there. And I'll mention, I'll start talking about the fights soon enough. But I hope you like blundering around. Oh, can I go under there? I could. I didn't think I could. I can? Wow! And this takes me where I needed to go, and I could barely discern it because it looks pretty much identical to all the other forested spots in this place. Ah, ah okay, okay. I want to I say the story because there actually is a fairly nice nugget of a story here, with this very significant caveat. Pierre Solar airs on the side of your 16-bit RPGs where you would often be left wanting more from your text. You get a couple of sentences and then wonder. Shouldn't this have gotten a little more development? Pierre Solar does that, where you'll get the bare basics of what you need to understand what's going on, and then they stop talking and just throw you loose in the dungeon. So if you have come for a story, it's there. It's kind of interesting. It involves 
a trio of teenagers, of course, who are finding a lost civilization and get pursued by some nasty people who also want to find that lost civilization for evil purposes. But they don't talk a whole lot relative to modern games. I mean, relative to Dragon Quest One, they're positive thespians, but... And also, you can kind of tell, Watermelon was, is a developer based in, I want to say, Belgium. And the localization is fairly good, but there are some occasional strange choices of text that make you realize this probably wasn't written by a native English speaker. And I, I haven't played it in three years, so I don't have any examples fresh in my head, but you can probably come up with one on your own of exactly what text that just doesn't quite seem like it comes like it would come naturally to an English speaker. There are plenty of examples of that in the game. Hmm. And okay, combat. Let's talk combat. Combat takes a while. That, that's not inherently a bad thing. Uh, you, you got into a few fights, right, Kelly? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I, I it, was, it reminded me a lot of Lunar the combat. I can see that. What it do, what it has that Lunar does not is that gather function where you you spend a turn just accumulating energy instead and yeah while you stand there accumulating energy the enemies freely hit you because they're jerks and many of your moves in fact most of the ones that you will probably want to be using because basic attacks they'll get the job done some of the time but not enough of the time that it's worth your while you want to have access to your starter moves that can actually blast the enemies as you need them to be blasted and that requires gathering mm-hmm now, this does make for some interesting boss fights because you can actually transfer your energies to other people so that you don't have to have everyone sitting there for four turns because you can reach a max of five levels of gather before you have to use it. So it sounds like the gather is uh, very bravely fault. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's reasonable, and yet in here it's much slower to go through than bravely default was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, since it takes since it can take a couple of turns to get up to the level where you can actually win, that makes even your standard order random battles take a little while, which makes you happy that the random encounter rate isn't that high. But it still sounds tedious. Now, okay, thanks to Discord deciding that we were having far too smooth a recording session. I'm not sure where I just was and what you have managed to hear. Uh, Kelly, where were we? <laughs> I I was talking about... Oh, no, I remember now. I was talking about how it... it the way he was describing it, it sounded like very bravely default. Where you have to, like, do gather, and you said that, yeah, it's like that, but the, it's not as fast-paced as bravely default, and then yeah. that's when you get out. And you also can't default. You can't go into negative and need to catch up for a while. Mm-hmm. And the, it, since you need to do this, especially as the game goes on, on pretty much every random battle, then every random battle will take a little while, which is not how I generally like to play my games if I'm just spending a couple of turns gathering before I can do anything. Actually, not even Bravely Default. It sounds like Octopath Traveler. Which I have not yet played, so I can't really speak to that. Cause, uh, but Random Battles and Octopath Traveler take forever and a half, too. 
And the difficulty, if enemies get a surprise attack on you here, Solar, then they can whoop you. And this is this is your old school type of game where you get save points and they're often spread pretty far apart. And if you get whooped and you just lost an hour, well, that's too bad. Ouch. And remember, these dungeons are pretty sizable. It helps that the encounter rate is fairly low. You'll be able to go about a whole screen often to get into another encounter, but these places are huge. See, and, and at least the nice thing about all these other modern retro, quote-unquote modern retro games, is that they uh, they still kind of keep a little bit of sense about them and that they're very generous with the checkpoints and have autosave and stuff like that. And this one sounds like not so much. No. Watermelon wanted you to remember what it was like when save points were sparingly doled out and you couldn't save any other time. Oh, boy. And uh, unless you're playing a Genesis on the Genesis emulator, you're not uh, save-stating anytime soon either, I take it. No. And then, this is a weird thing. Developers do this all the time. Palette swaps. Oh, my goodness. It used to be red. Now it's blue and it's much stronger. Pure Solar doesn't do palette swaps. Instead, you get the exact same looking enemy, but I'm not sure why. Uh, budget? Cartridge space? Uh, maybe the developers overspent on their marker budget just for the backgrounds and didn't have anything left over to recolor their enemies. Uh... That's all I got. Sorry. Uh, and also, it's not as bad as a lot of games in the 16-bit era, but you've also got a menu that will time to run around in. It, I'd have to go play it again to give you exactly what is wrong here, <clears throat> but it's it's the type of shopping system where you're going to need to spend a while, and it's not as simple as it should be. Annoying. Yes. Does it at least show your upgrades, or does it show what's an upgrade, or not? It does show that. Okay. And then it has something weird, where, alright, pretty much every game you'll need to heal outside of battle, right? After mm -hmm. you got... Well, here, it doesn't just do that in the menu. Once you hit heal, on the world map, it animates the healing that takes several seconds before you can get, which makes it take a lot longer like imagine if in any other game you had to sit through a little animation every time you hit heal outside of battle yeah that that does sound annoying and the audio is quite good there are a couple tunes that i remember very well and we will definitely be including at least one of them in the numerous musical selections that you this episode but as a modern game it's really not that good and <laughs> as a 16-bit game it would have been solid but it's nowhere near fantasy star 4 final fantasy 6 something like that level i think we'll agree yeah I, you, you're making me not regret kind of skipping out on it well it's not very long which is also a good thing and then there's this weird part okay i may have talked about i'm probably sure, i'm pretty sure i talked about this on an earlier backtrack but i finished the game through a fluke. I got to the final boss's final phase, and then a bug happened. I didn't even get to fight it. It just 
flipped me straight through to I've won. Here's the ending. That's on Steam. It may have been repaired by now, but I've never had that in I've never encountered that anywhere else before. Yeah, that never works out in my favor. Yeah, no kidding. I I, I would kill for that bug a few times. <laughs> I probably could have beaten the final boss, but I really don't know. I didn't fight it. <laughs> so Here's what Wikipedia says. Reviews of Pierre Solar and the Great Architects were mixed. While its presentation was widely praised, reception to the gameplay was mostly negative. Bradley Hailstrom of Hardcore Gamer praised the game's use of vibrant color palette and its strong art direction, calling the game one hell of an RPG experience. Derek Hemsberg of RPG Fan said that the game's graphics, music, and atmosphere were fantastic, but felt the actual gameplay was too frustrating, noting that what he perceived as a labyrinthine design in many areas. He also called parts of the game's combat tedious and repetitive, citing lengthy animations and highly dif- uh, high difficulty as reasons. Mike Minky of RP Gamer concluded that the game was, quote, unlikely to appeal to many people weaned on more recent generations of RPGs, added that those with a more retro mindset will find some enjoyment. Some. I did not say great, but some. So, I think well, that's... I, I'm on Wiki! You're on Wiki! That's why I had to quote that paragraph, because you are on Wiki. Whoa. Feel the power. Surprise! People it's don't like stop I've you. Accomplished something in my life. Do people stop you in the streets and just shake your hand? Hasn't happened yet. Hmm. There was a guy with severe male pattern baldness in a skirt making bird noises in the parking lot, but I didn't want to see if he had any. <laughs> hmm. Well, uh, let's uh, let's let's so move. I don't think I would recommend picking up the authentic Mega Drive or Genesis cartridge. Unless you are a collector and want to just keep it on your shelf. Right. Uh, let's let's move on to somebody who's probably just a little bit more popular than Mr. Minky and probably does get stopped on the street on the occasion. Uh, this is Stardew Valley we're talking about. Developed by Cornered Ape. Uh, designed by Eric Barone. Published by Chucklefish. Uh, this was originally released on February 26th. 2016 and just about released on everything including the ti-80 calculator uh this is a single player and now multiplayer simulation rpg experience so fun fun fact i i avoided buying this game from this time because i knew that when i bought it that my life was pretty much going to be over because it's all i was going to want to play because, you know, I, I'm very much a recovering um, Harvest Moon addict. And I also got heavily into Terraria and Starbound. And combining Terraria and Harvest Moon is pretty much a recipe for, I don't know, locking myself in my room for days on end without eating or sleeping or wanting to go to work. Luckily... At the very least, I waited until managed to hold out until the PlayStation version came out, and my husband got it for me for my birthday. And I was like, "Yeah, you, you realize you're not going to see me for right?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm aware." And yeah, and now I didn't get—I'm exaggerating quite a bit. I didn't get that sucked into it, but it, it was definitely one of those games that made me. I literally count down the hours for work to be able to get more Stardew in before time that's for sure and then the switch version came out and then uh, all over again cycle begins anew and yeah the the game's addictive it's so addictive so i have 
kind of a similar story there. I waited and waited and waited and finally got it for Vita. It just came out in, I think, May for Vita. Yeah, it was recent. Very recent. I spent 80, 90 hours this summer playing it. And this is while I was on vacation. And while I was on vacation, I was writing my master's thesis and somehow still managed to cram in 80, 90 hours in like a month and a half playing this. Um, And actually, I just wrote a review for RP Gamer and it dropped on October 1st for this. Um, Was surprised nobody else had written one up till then. But I had kind of avoided Harvest Moon since the original one. I played the original one dozens of times, loved it, and then just kind of got away from it until the Rune Factory kind of offshoot. Played all the Rune Factory, five, six, seven hundred hours, I think, if I look at my different Rune Factories on my 3DS um, log, and loved all them. So getting back into this, which was more towards the Harvest Moon side and less towards the Rune Factory, with a little bit of side of uh, Zelda battle um this was great yeah um did we describe the game to people we're talking about how addictive it is and exactly describe the game it's it's basically a homage to harvest moon it has the exact same gameplay yet you have a farm you build a farm you build relationships um, they, they do combine it with a little bit of a Minecrafty Terraria type element, which interestingly enough was also in Rune Factory, where there's a mine that you can go into with randomly, randomly generated levels, and there's uh, a lot of crafting that you do to craft your various items around the farm. And oh, go ahead. I was going to say the crafting was excellent. I thought there was just enough in there. It wasn't ridiculous. I know in the uh, Rune Factory games, my gosh, there could be literally hundreds of items, 90 swords and something like that. I think Rune Factory 4, uh, there was 200 or something weapons I was looking up recently, um, which you could spend forever in all the materials. And in Stardew Valley, there was maybe 50 to 80 total items. There was just the two screens. So it was a good blend of items, and it helped the farming become automated um, first or second year. You didn't have to go around, and I wrote this in my review. You go from watering one thing at a time to having a sprinkler that's watering 25 at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about the time that you're getting sick and tired of going watering one or two things, you've upgraded your tools or you've bought automated things that you're like, oh, well, now I can do nine spots at a time. Or now I don't even need to worry because the sprinkler's just taking care of it. Who cares? I don't need a watering can except for these one or two things. And around the time that you're getting sick and tired of, oh, my gosh, I need to wait till winter to grow this one thing, and I just started spring day one, well, you can unlock a um, greenhouse anything you want during any season in the greenhouse. So I felt it had a good blend of start with micromanaging, but allow you to get away from that the farther you went through the game. Yeah. And the the whole impetus, the whole story of the game is that you are working at a, at a mundane nine to five job and your grandpa leaves you a letter and says that if you're ever sick of your job, read this letter, and he leaves you a farm, just like in Harvest Moon. And you you go to the farm, you go to your grandpa's farm, and it's just like Harvest Moon, where it's all dilapidated and stuff like that. And the twist is that this town uh, has a mart in there called Jojo 
Walmart, which suspiciously looks a little bit like Amazon, including their logo. And the owner of the JoJo Mart wants to buy up the space and uh, where the town hall is so that he can build a warehouse there. And the mayor doesn't want to... And yeah, the, the mayor doesn't want to sell the town hall because of how you know how special it is to town. But the town hall is so dilapidated that it can't function. And your goal, well, you have two choices at that point. You could either buy a JoJo Mart membership, and the town hall gets turned into a warehouse, or you can try to revive the town hall. And in order to revive the town hall, you have to grow crops or find items or mine or craft and create these little packages for each section of the town hall. And depending on which ones you complete, you unlock various things like the greenhouse, the bus to the desert, um, some mine carts that provide shortcuts around the town. And it kind of behooves you to you know, play the non-corporate way to unlock all these things because you kind of feel better about it. And if you go the corporate route, you kind of, I think you have to pay for all of the upgrades. All those things, but it's all money-based, yes. Okay, okay. Because I've I've never gone I haven't either, but I read all about it before I was trying to make my decision. Not like it was that big a decision. I feel like the game definitely points you yeah, it's games. You're not playing it to. Uh, usually, a lot of them are not to uh, just make a bunch of money in warehouse. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there there are people that that that's all they do in this game is make money. It's what they like to do is make money. So if you're that type, that then true. that's probably your route. But yeah, I, I found out about the. T- oh no, I knew about the town hall. I didn't realize that it provided valuable upgrades. So. uh... I was, like, in the spring before I realized that that's what I needed to do to upgrade some stuff. And, you know, if you're out of spring and you need to put in the, the stuff for the, the spring prom bundles, then you're SOL until next year. And that's a good 35, 40 hours away. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it kind of... I mean, a lot of these mighty crafty games are like that, but it really does help the first time through to just kind of get a guy, get a, well, there, there, there are hundreds of videos on um, beginner's tips for uh, for Stardew Valley. I would recommend watching at least one of those before you dive in, just so that you don't end up screwed like I did. Yeah, very much so. I've read a lot about it. Um, I didn't really take notes, but, it, you know, every time I'd read, it would be like, oh, this is really important to notice. And, mm-hmm. you know, those five, six, seven things, I did take notice. Of. I made yeah. sure I had done that or um, I didn't realize there were certain places around town that there would be just random shops popping up with the little with the cats stuff out of the cart. Oh, yes, yes, the cat hat cart. and Yep, the... and there was... There was another one that I bought a fish that I read online, like, you could only catch in the winter at night while it was snowing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's going to take forever to just in, – in only one area, too. Um, yeah. And randomly one day it was for sale there for, like, a 1000 bucks. I was like, sold. Give me half a dozen nights of fishing yeah, to get this and, one. And, you know, in Harvest Moon, you know, the, all the TV is really good for is um, just seeing the weather for the next day. But in this game, the, you have to watch the TV to learn recipes, which I didn't know. 
until much later. That either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you... Months until I got that, I was like, oh, whoops, I could have been learning a lot more. Yeah. Oh, uh, what else? Um, you feel like you're kind of encouraged. To, well, you feel like you need to sell everything because you need to get those bag upgrades at the beginning, but then you kind of need to save one of everything for the town hall bundles, too. Yeah, there's a definite fine line there between selling and making money early on, mm-hmm. and um, I think I made a lot of money later on with the strawberries, which I think at the very first festival in the spring, you can buy strawberry seeds. I saw that, was like, eh, whatever. And then later I realized that was like the number one maker. Yeah, ber- berries until you can get ancient fruits are pretty much going to be your bread and butter yes. to most of the game. Um, berries. It's funny. I spent a lot of the first year. I I just tried to make money. I I think at the end of the year, I had no friends. (laughs) And and I know that's a big part of all the Harvest Moon games and the room factor and everything is the relationship and everything. I just went one full year talking to who I just needed to. I didn't give anybody any gifts. Um, maybe I was at two hearts out of ten with a couple people just by talking to them and I did some of the little fetch crusts. Um, mm-hmm. I think I found, I found the mayor's underwear in the uh, <laughs> lady's uh, bedroom. You actually and have I, to get her, his friendship up a little bit to find that because you can't, you can't enter anybody's bedroom. Yeah. So I think that was the only one I did though. Like I was like, oh, how do I get this? The guy keeps telling me he's missing his pants. Where please find my pants. So I looked that up and I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta be friends with her. So that was okay because <laughs> I was buying cows and chickens from her. So I, I, I shot her a little something. But then the entire second year, I felt like my farm was so automated that I spent all my time and got married by the end of the second year. So. Yeah, there's no real right or wrong way to play this game. I mean, if you just want to be a shut-in and, um, you know, go your route and just focus on farming, you can. Each character in the town kind of has their own storyline, which it kind of behooves you to at least, you know, make friends with as many people as you can just to kind of experience their story. And each each person kind of has their own personality and stuff like that. Like, um, you've got Pam, who's kind of, I want to say she's kind of town drunk. Definitely the town drunk. Um... And later on, when you unlock the bus, she becomes the bus driver. Let's see who else. I'm trying Only to save taking the town, having them yeah. drive you to that to the middle of the desert. Yeah. <laughs> um, who else? You, you've got Sam, the skater, who who my second playthrough on the Switch, I ended up romancing. Um, Sebastian, the kind of goth kid who is kind of a strange. I mean, he's not a stranger with his parents, but he kind of doesn't get along with his parents. That's who I married the first time. Uh, Does he live at the beach? Is that where he was? No, the, the, I think it's Noah that lives at the beach that's the poet. I, I never got my heart level with that one, one or two. I, I yeah. just never found him around. Yeah, yeah and, and that's the annoying thing is that on the console versions, um, you can't install mods, so some of the characters can be kind of a pain in the butt to find. Uh, on the PC version, because you can install mods, you can install a mod that lets you see where everybody is at all times. And that, you know, when characters kind of go into houses that you don't have access to, you you can't talk to them. Right, yeah. Uh, 
the, all, all of their little stories are so interesting. Um, interestingly enough, when I was romancing Sam, well, one of the reasons why I was romancing Sam is because he's one of the only people in town whose one of his favorite items is Jojo Cola. So you can you can get a lot of Jojo Cola just by fishing. So I would always keep a bunch of it on hand, and every time I'd see him, I'd just you know give him a can of Jojo Cola, and he ended up being kind of my boyfriend. And um, his kind of romancing scene is a can be kind of interpreted as erotic because you go into his room at night, and um, his his mom is getting, is about ready to come into the room, and he's like, "Quick, my mom, go hide in the bed," and you go hide in the bed, and then. You have a choice to be like stay stay in the bed and invite Sam in the bed or get out of the bed. And I chose to stay in the bed. Sam just kind of crawls into the bed with you. Uh, it's like, did they just bang? I think they just banged. One and- where I can't remember who it was that I was. We went camping, and then there was a big bear that showed up while we were out camping. And it was like, oh, we need to hide in the uh, tent. And it was very it was very much applied more happened in that tent than just hiding from the bear. And you know, one of the great things about this game is that you can do same-sex relationships. And the, my first time through, I played as a girl. Second time through, I played as a guy and romance from the other guys. Yes, and you can romance any of them. Yeah. Have a line, something like, oh, I didn't really realize I was into guys until I met you. Yeah. Or, you know, the female version of that. Though it did annoy me my second playthrough because my first playthrough play as a girl, they said it just kind of dropped one day. It's like, oh, you just had a kid. I'm like, what? I didn't. I didn't. When did this happen? I didn't accept this. And if you play same sex, if you play same sex, it's like, hey, do you want to adopt? I'm like, no. So it kind of annoyed me that yeah, had a relationship. I didn't get a choice. I just farming and dropped a kid out one day. <laughs> and, I mean, there's a lot of family options. You can get divorced. Yeah. And, uh, and, get re- and then they don't really like you. They don't talk much to you. But if you want to get remarried, I think you can go to the magician. Somebody can wipe their memory. Yeah. So that they are amicable to... Isn't that how it usually again? works on a farm? That you just start dropping kids one day? Because... <laughs> it's funny because, you know, I, I dropped this kid and... Uh, th- I think every week on Saturdays, um, all, pretty much all the NPCs go to the bar or go to go to the tavern to hang out, and my husband just kind of left the kid there. Well, and then my... know, it's a bar. Why would you not bring an infant there? Infants <laughs> hang out, and 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 the the bar patrons love them. And 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 not only that, like my baby glitched into the wall for some reason. And it's like, oh, well, lovely. You you leave my kid. By itself to do who knows what, and then it glitches into the wall. You are a terrible dad, Sebastian. <laughs> I've taken my own kids to plenty of breweries, so you know that that part didn't bother me too much. <laughs> it, I found it more amusing than you think. It's just like, my God, Sebastian is a terrible dad. Well, he didn't well, leave it, the kid alone in the bar, right? He was there no. the whole time. No, he left the kid alone in my house. <laughs> And then kid the wall. A lot of charming things to this game, and uh, a lot of it is straight from other Harvest Moon games, from other um, Rune Factory games, and like you said, from other game series as well. And it just seems like a blend of the best of everything. Yeah. 
it, you know, when you're sitting playing a game and you're like, oh, man, I really wish they did this, and I really wish they did this, and I really wish they did this, um, the developer just was a fan that did that. I mean, everybody talks about, like, oh, if I made a game, I would make it like that. This guy, he did it, and he did it well and has become a multi-multi-millionaire. Um, with, and it, it's, I, I was looking at Moon Sales, and I think Harvest Moon Sales, you know, if you get a couple hundred thousand, great. And he sold like four million, at least three million copies as of December, and that was even before it came out, before on um, Vita and other, and I think maybe even before the Switch, it sold three point one million. And before um, day, about six hours ago, they announced that this is going to be on mobile. Yay! We got the yep, it, it got the announcement today that it is going to be coming to mobile. Um, have all the updated versions. I know, like the Vita's never getting the multiplayer. They flat no. out said that. Um, come to other things right now it's only on the pc but it should be coming to ps4 and xbox and all the other more modern ones eventually um i would guess that it's probably not coming to mobile i don't know but yeah i mean you're gonna be able to play this even on mobile nowadays and i'm sure that'll sell quite a few more yeah i i can imagine by taking something else and just as a fan making you know doing what a lot of people say like oh i would do i would do this i mean he's he sold 10 times as much as any other full harvest moon that's a quarter if not a a little bit cheaper on a sale and wasn't it all by one dude one dude yep he yeah. graduated college thought eh, you know i'll give this a try and four or five years later i i really respect these guys that you know, a one-man team and can put out these games like this and just make a man. It's it's kind of the, it's it's something that I could only dream about. You know. Yeah. Well, when we get to the final lap, I'll tell you about the latest game I played and uh, how it may not always work out that way. <laughs> Covered this pretty well. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Yeah. Lots to like about Stardew Valley. Um, I have a. Uh, relative who likes to play a game called heyday and it's speaking of phone games it's one of those phone tablet games where you build your own farm you click on things and you're always waiting for something to grow and so i took my switch over to their house hooked it up and i showed them I'm like look stardew valley is just so much better than that because i don't have to wait three real-time days for this barn to build or you know four real-time hours for these you know corn to grow or whatever have you you could just plant it go to sleep and, you know a few days later they're growing and in the meantime you're doing other things but uh you're not sitting there waiting on the game the game's just waiting on you so uh you know and i don't have to keep paying ten dollars every time i want to speed something up so <laughs> as an added bonus you, you pay a small price probably as much as one microtransaction in some of those games and you get something that lasts you a heck of a lot longer i'll tell you what or when farmville when Farmville was the thing, I remember like all my casual friends get wanting me to play it, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll play like that game better when it was called Harvest Moon. I'm gonna be snotty about something for once. Yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see here. Our 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 march of games inspired by old school games continues with Legend of Grimrock, developed and published by Almost Human. This was released on Microsoft Windows on April 11, 2012. Later came out on OSX and Linux. And there's a note here for iOS, so I'm imagining this on an iPad. This is an action RPG dungeon. It's more of a dungeon crawler, really, but I can see where there's some action elements, and we'll talk about that. It's a single-player game. 
So this game is very much inspired by the uh, Eye of the Beholder games way back in the 90s where uh, you're going through dungeons, first character perspective, but there's a real-time combat element to it. When there's a monster in front of you, uh, you're clicking with a mouse on your weapon icons and you'll have four party members, so you'll have four different weapon icons, sometimes more if your characters are dual wielding. And when you click on one, your character will do a swing. It'll crunch the numbers underneath. If you hit, it'll show you the damage and uh, it'll be on a cooldown. So you've got all these little different cooldowns, you know, there that you can play around with. Um, But everything's... And at the same time, the monster's attacking you. Uh, These these dungeons were known for their complexity, their, 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 their labyrinths. There's puzzles involved in fact that you got to go and find some key to open up some gate that's on the other side of the world or put a stone on a pedestal to weigh it down so that it moves a lever somewhere that move makes a secret wall move. Uh, there was, uh, you know, there's there's mapping involved, uh, you know, and the such. Legend of Grimrock takes all of that, takes all of those elements uh, puts it together with modern day graphics, its own class based system, magic systems. And does a fairly oh, decent wait, job, wait. you know, of of uh, making that uh, accessible uh, or somewhat appealing to a modern audience that doesn't want to go back and play in 240 by 320 resolution uh, with 16 colors or something. And, uh, and uh, you know, what I played this game for a while. One of the funny things was, <laughs> one of the funny elements was uh, the early battles were kind of tough, at least for the party I had. And uh, it kind of comes back into the old mode of kind of, of, of hit and move. So the way that works is what you do is when the monster is in front of you, you quickly use your like your your best melee attacks and then step back or sidestep. And and then the monster can't attack you. If you time it really fast, the monster never got a chance. Uh, by the time the monster takes that step to catch back up with you, you rinse and repeat. Um, and, and, and you can kind of milk this system in a, in a two by two room, even you're just kind of square dancing with the monster and you can cheese this. Uh, there is, in some of the reviews I remember reading, uh, one in particular that gave the, the, the game a little score because they're like, the game really sets you up to do this or encourages you to do this or forces you to do this, depending on your perspective. And, and therefore that's a horrible gameplay design. And, uh, and so we're giving this a low score. And I just kind of chuckle at that because they were just kind of, you know, that's one of the elements that 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 you would use back in the Eye of the Beholder days. It was one of those things. Um, you can, of course, just stand toe to toe with the monster, you know, take your lumps. But another element of these games was very limited resources. Uh, in fact, you would have to have food and every character had a hunger meter. Uh, sometimes you do have water resources. And, and I don't remember exactly how deep they went with that with Legend of Grimrock. But the fact remains you don't have healing spells coming out of your rear end that you can perpetually cast every time you get hit by the monster. So, you know, played around with those mechanics, you know, from time to time can 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 help you through a resource uh, drought, uh, if nothing else. Uh, but I thought that was that was pretty funny. Uh, your party is basically uh, a group of prisoners uh, that are sentenced uh, for crimes against the uh, king. You're thrown into uh, the pit of Mount Grimrock. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you can get out, your crimes are absolved. Uh, good luck because no one's actually, you know, done that. 
So uh, there's a little bit of story, some clues here and there. You find them in the puzzles, uh, you know, and the such. Uh, as you're searching through, you, you will find things like hidden stashes of equipment, uh, you know, and what have you uh, to help kind of flesh a little bit of that out. But you're not you're not going to get any Shakespeare here. It's 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 pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. And, and, and puzzle. Lots of puzzle, puzzle, puzzle solving. Um, I believe I'm the only one who's touched this, right? I don't think anyone's jumping in. I I bought it on Steam, but I never got around to it. There you go. Uh, you know, it's worth it's worth it's worth trying to see. Hook. I will say your, your mileage is going to vary. It got re- it got pretty darn good reviews. It spawned a sequel, uh, Legend of Grimrock Two, uh, which was released on October 15, twenty fourteen. Which, uh, from a critical standpoint, uh, did even better. Uh, there was definitely some clunkiness to like the the class system, for example, uh, if you chose the wrong class uh if for some odd reason you decide to take ice magic uh your first few levels or so of the dungeon your character was basically sucking his thumb because you 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 could only cast spells that you could find in the dungeon to scribe again kind of like the old school games uh and there weren't a whole lot of ice spells um so it definitely has that it definitely has that old school vibe to it aside from the combat but just the difficulty and the fact that yeah if you're not kind of uh doing the trial and error thing and really you know starting over again uh like in those old school games or you're not reading the instructions really carefully and just probably reading an faq um you're, you're gonna have a bit of a, a bit of a hard time with it uh, but definitely, I could definitely see this being an acquired taste. Uh, either you're coming back to this for nostalgia purposes, um, or you really dig that that whole thing. Definitely, if you like puzzles, you know, and the such, you're going to like this. Um, as long as you can uh, f- enjoy the combat, uh, you know, and the real time kind of the interesting real time combat system. So, uh, like I said, two and there's two games, and they're both like I said, both well well reviewed, but. Uh, well received, but uh, again, acquired acquired taste. Speaking of acquired taste, the last game on the list requires a lot of taste acquiring in order to <laughs> for someone to say they enjoy it, and I fall well short of the goal. It is the game I, you know, normally it is my job to introduce the games. That's why they pay me the big bucks, but. I don't even think I could actually bring my myself to say the three words of this title, Mike. Are you well? Okay, Phil. Let's let's not say the title. Let's say other things in the wiki entry. Maybe that will give the idea without going too deep into the well of pain. Uh, well, I can tell you uh, that this game is known as Genmu uh, no Totosugi no Otakati. In Japanese, which roughly translates into the Tower of Mist and the Law of the Sword. Now, if that doesn't give it away, I don't hey, know what hey, does. Phil, hey, Phil, I, um, I didn't catch that name. Could you read that off for me again? Uh, I think it was... I, I think that's that's what I said. Did you sneeze? Uh, no, I coughed up some phlegm and then spit it on the ground. That's and you're part in of your the enunciation. Room. Well, the cat now Are, is trying you, to you lick it off. He just, no, I, I made sure to aim for the cat. And uh, now he's licking himself, so I'm sure it's taken care of. Um, so You have a very well-trained cat. This, uh, the Tower of Mist and the Law of the Sword is a role-playing game developed by Success for the Nintendo... Success! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry for the pounding on the mic. That's just a knee slapper. No, uh, no, Phil, Phil. Uh, 
<laughs> success was successful in oh. making a game that feels like it's 1984 again. Oh, yes, in every, every <laughs> the dark way. Spire? Oh, ow! He my, said it. Oh, he said it! Oh, oh, you said oh. it! I knew I should have kicked Stop him off the, the show. Stop saying the words! I knew, I knew he should have been kicked off. <laughs> oh, this was published. You let somebody join late. They didn't know. Oh my gosh, he missed the pre-show speech. Uh, I this... knew exactly what he was talking about in the show, but I didn't say anything. I, just, <laughs> no, I wanted to wait for the... This was released in North America by Atlas. In Japan by success. <laughs> Just can't get enough of that. Uh, this was uh, this was released. Uh, I feel like checking to see what game success has made. In- yeah, I feel has that been a success. I feel that that would be an interesting Google search. Uh, this was released in North America on April 14, thousand and nine. Japan on May twenty second, two thousand eight. This is a single player a DRPG. Heart, I'm mean, not heart wrenching. Just just heartbreaking. Just soul crush. Soul crushing. That's what I'm looking for. Soul crushing. <laughs> experience uh look i love myself so i love myself some drpg and i love myself some DD. and i've played every edition since uh for uh the first edition of ad and 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 so the dark spire seemed to be right up my alley because oh and i also love myself some gothic artwork and dark spire has all of those elements it's it's combat and its character system is heavily influenced and based on the dungeon dragons it uses negative armor classes for crying out loud uh where the lower your number into the negatives the better your armor is so it uses thaco uh yeah i mean it calls it something else i think but yeah that goes i mean like it's it's so based off of that old school uh, it's not even funny. I mean, it takes wizardry and other stuff. It's basically like an old wizardry, like the old wizardry games were the same way. The old Bard's Tales, they they were so heavily based on D anD D back in the day, especially. Uh, the Dark Spire just rips all of their its influence from it. Uh, you know, in that respect, okay. uh, it's got. Well, it's this game got, sounds great. What's the problem? Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait! There's more. There's more because it has this beautiful gothic artwork style to it. But at any point in time, you can switch to basically NES mode. And <sighs> oh yeah, I mean, and it turns to like eight bit music, and it's got line art, and it, it really, and you just do this with a touch of a button. And it's really damn cool. I mean, I, I'm, I'm yeah, when I saw the, the here, I do want to praise it for this. Yeah, each, well, each floor feels very distinct, and getting to mm-hmm. the next floor feels like a genuine. Because this game is not going to make it easy for you. Oh, oh, hell. oh no! no hell, uh, hell's nose, hell to the nose. When you finally get to the third time, and you, you you're cutting out, floor. Mike. You said getting to the third floor. You get to the new f- third floor. Suddenly, it looks different. It sounds different. You've spent something like ten, twelve, fifteen hours. I don't even remember. I spit more than that. I'm, I'm guesstimating. I did not take a calendar down of exactly how long I spent with each floor of this game. Perhaps I should have, but that seems like a way down. Anyway, it felt like a genuine accomplishment. There. Yeah, I felt like the DS should have made an achievement system just for this game. And the achievements should have been got through first floor, got through second floor, platinum trophy, you made it through the third floor. You're not even done with the game yet, but we're giving you the platinum now, because dang it, that's an accomplishment. Um, and you'll get your first trophy the first time you actually land a hit, because... Oh, yeah, jeez. Oh, my! Josh. If you like going through rounds where nobody on either side 
on this either... is the game for you oh yeah old school D where there's lots and lots of misses at low levels just just sit there and watch tv boys and girls but when the monsters finally get around to hitting you you've only got like 10 hit points so it hurts like a mofo um yeah, you get into one fight. Oh, crap, I have to go back to town and heal, except I barely got any money. Yeah, got nothing to buy the healing with. It's great. Um, oh, and Phil, remember how much fun it was to search every wall and uh, uh, don't turn even around get... in all four directions to search every wall on it? Don't forget, no, 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 the best part, it's in the first floor, even. The game had me pulling out my hair because I couldn't figure out what to do next, and I had to reach out to Matt because I was, you know, trying to get through it for review. But I'm like, I can't even get through the first floor. I, I don't know what to do. And so Mac found me like a Japanese FAQ and map system and stuff. And I found out what I was expected to do was touch every wall in the room where everything's completely pitch dark and hit the action button. <laughs> it's pitch dark. I don't even know where the hell I'm at. The mini map's turned off. I have no clue. I mean... What the hell, I Atlas? I wandering around on the first floor, yeah. and what the hell am I doing? Where am I going? Oh, crap! I fell through the floor! I'm in the basement now! Yeah. Uh, how, how do I get out of here? Oh, crap! I'm dead! Because I got a random battle in the basement, and I couldn't handle it! Oh. Wait, what voodoo did you manage to do to get a mini-map? Because I don't remember no damn mini-map in this game. I, I just I, got. Eight. I, you know, to be honest, I don't remember. I, I, I don't remember the mini map of the game. Max I mean, voodoo. I got Max mo- got me a map. Max special voodoo of the power to search out Japanese fact information. Yeah, because I, there was no real FAQs back in the, you know, because I had gotten it before it was released in America. I and, see. And I couldn't find any, you know, there's nothing, there were no, you know, nothing on game facts at that point or anything like that. He had to go and do japanese web searches of some sort to find those things um it made a lot easier when you had a map that somebody else had already drawn and wrote down all the secrets to it was great um no or or let's not let's not forget to talk about mike that this thing is so old school that when you're in a store it doesn't tell you if the weapons you're buying there's nowhere to tell if a weapon you buy is actually more powerful than the one you have equipped. Your only way of really knowing is to go back into the dungeon and whack on a bunch of things and kind of keep track of the numbers and average them out and see if they're higher. Well, we haven't even talked about the wonderful, wonderful class change system. Mm-mm-mm. There's some good old school goodness in that, Mike. Well, you know, I love a class change system, and I also love it when accessing the class change system requires some really obtuse stuff. Would you ever guess that you have to go through a dungeon for each class, all six of them? These dungeons don't have any enemies in them. They're just you wandering around in training grounds for probably half an hour for each of them, probably more. Oh, I I do want to become a wizard, but apparently I need to find my way through the training grounds before I can do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just... There's and of course it actually it also uses the and I, I, I what is it the Vatican or Vatican or whatever spellcasting system, which in English is the old D and D spellcasting system that where you only have like three first level spells and two second level spells and one third level spell you know that you can cast and you, those will go up so by the time you're like top level you could have like nine level one through five. 
and and you know some levels six through seven eight or nine but what's really funny is is you know with that old system is you might be pulling out your hair because you used up all your first level spells uh you're a cleric and uh you got second third level spells and you know your fighter's really hurt but you can't cure him because curing him is a first level spell and all you have are more powerful second and third level spells boys and girls there's no magic point system here, so you can't, like, just keep casting until you're out of magic points. No, you're out of first-level spells, sucker. Sucks to be you. Ah! Ah! Go back to town. Yeah. Rest. Hopefully before you die. Oh, and remember how you eventually, and I do mean eventually, unlock the elevator. that goes oh, from the first elevator. to the fourth floor. Yep. There are seven floors in the ta- in the Dark Spire. The fourth floor is your shortcut to the seventh floor. You get to traipse from there all the way through the 5th, 6th, and 7th. Yeah. So many good times. And then, of course, it has multiple endings, because why not? I, you know, so, yeah. Here, you know, here, it's, this is a classic example. We talked all night tonight about games that are done in retro style. We've talked about some that have kind of missed the mark. We've talked about a couple that hit up really good, like Undertale and Stardew Valley. Uh, and then, then we get to games like this that just fail to understand that when you're doing a retro style game, the idea there is to take what makes those games really good and bring those elements forward and definitely feel free to bring the music and the graphic styles or things inspired by those things like 3D Dot Heroes did, and we you know with their pixel graphics and the such. Feel yeah, free. The presentation of Dark Spire is top oh. notch. Oh, I love it. I love the presentation, and I pull up that soundtrack all. The- but but don't do stupid late the the old <laughs> things that nobody liked and nobody has time for. <laughs> anymore because we're all in our 40s and we have three jobs you know like like the black rooms where you're hitting the button and getting into random combats every three steps and and there's no saves anywhere close or the four floors you have to go through without the elevator no, no, no dark spire does do this it lets you save anytime oh yes this is yeah you have to save after every freaking battle Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. It's been... <laughs> uh, yeah, could you imagine if it didn't have that? Oh, my gosh. I guess yes, it would have been can. so much worse. <sighs> um, I guess I'll give it that point. Okay. But th- there's okay, definitely... When Dark Spire came out, I remember people comparing it, bringing up Etrian Odyssey and saying, you know, Etrian Odyssey goes back a ways. Dark Spire goes even further back. Let's go back to first-generation wizardry stuff. That's what it's emulating. Except it's really not incorporating anything new the way Etrian Odyssey does. It's just as if you had a game that was made in 1984. Uh, it, oh, it's funny. It does have an auto map. Oh, go ahead. It, it's funny because I I was listening to an interview with Richard Garriott, you know, Lord Lord British himself, um, talking about how he wanted to make uh, – make a new game and he wanted to bring back stuff like having to draw your own maps and uh you know write down your quest text and stuff like that and i i'm sitting there thinking you know you know richard i love you but just because these old things were archaic doesn't mean that they were good uh yeah like so here Etrian Odyssey has you uh, uses that second screen so that you can draw the map on the screen so you don't need to keep graph paper by you for at, that you have to scribble on with each step 
it's so much better to be part of the game rather than something you have to keep alongside of it, right? It, yeah. Yeah. I, and, so, sorry, I don't mean to keep cutting you off. I just I don't think Richard Gary understood in that statement the reason why we didn't have we had to do those things because games didn't have the space for that kind of stuff. And we we've moved past that. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And I think that, think you're right. That that older doesn't uh, you you know. Older doesn't always mean better, and just because something was the way it was back in the day doesn't mean that it's necessarily good game design. That was just what we had to work with. You know, it, 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 to, to me, it's like it's it's like woodworkers talking about how making a box would be more fun if you didn't have, like, a power saw. It, it, and that's, you know, Etrian Odyssey is a great comparison here because it, in its way, Etrian Odyssey is definitely, you know, cr- influenced and created in a way to be like the old school DRPGs. It has the difficulty. It has the complex dungeon designs. It has monsters that will absolutely, you know, kick you in the teeth. Um, mm-hmm. It has all that built in, but it tempers that with... You know, the fact that, yeah, the, the 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 maps can be drawn with your pen and you can leave notes right there on my screen. It's integrated in so you're not searching for graph paper because the modern day gamer isn't walking around with extra graph paper in the back pocket to draw, you know, maps, especially if they're playing a DS on the go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, it does. Of course not, because when you played these games in the 80s, you played them at home. You had no choice. There was, what was there, the game and watch? Yeah. <laughs> you weren't going to, you weren't going to play an RPG on that. Exactly. There, you know, they the 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 big you know the big bads the FOEs are clearly seen on the map. So while the random encounters are challenging, you're not likely to hit this huge difficulty spike unless you choose to run into the huge difficulty spike um, or or let it catch up to you or something. But but you know it's coming. You know, so so you can kind of plan uh, around that. I really think that at some point they made this whole game going back to the instant save. That's interesting uh, when you think about it, because the one thing that flies in the face of the design uh, philosophy they seem to take it with every other aspect of this game, where everything's so obtuse and I explain and old school and difficult, uh, overly so. And I and I kind of think that what happened was they got this game. They play tested it. People were like, holy shit, I don't want to. This is horrible. This is so difficult. This is. And they're like, oh my gosh, well, we're running out of time. We need to get this to the shelves. What's the quickest thing we can do to address these? Oh, just have them save anywhere. We can do that. <laughs> Maybe so, that's. I don't so know. Now after you've gone through a 10 minute fight where nobody hit anything for time, you can finally save and not have to do that exact fight again. You can just do another one exactly like it. Mm hmm. And you will. Oh, you will. Because that next, especially when you're talking about those low levels where everything's missing and stuff, it, you know, random luck of the draw, you're just as lucky to have your, your ass kicked by those first level bats as you are to kick their ass. So it, it, it's probably a good idea to say, especially if you've never played D&D games before and you don't properly, you know, outfit your characters because, hell, you don't know if banded armor is any better than scale mail armor. Uh, yeah, if you're going to dive into this... The are not going to tell you. Yeah, it's, it's it's sure as hell not going to hold your hand. Uh, and I can't tell you how many times... Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, Mike, I think I, I distinctly recall reloading. And I don't know if it was right there in the dungeon, like right next to the exit. But I think I distinctly remember reloading. And I think you go back to the temple to level up or something like that when you have enough experience. Yeah. Which is another... Yeah. 
you know, old school D&D trope that you saw in all the old old D&D games. You don't just level up, you know, when you get experience, you have to go back and train. Um, and I think I remember doing the same thing I do in the Gold Box games, which is you go and you train and it randomly assigns you extra hit points. And if I got a low number, I reloaded the game and would go back and level up again until I got a number I felt was decent for my hit points. I, I could be wrong there. I might be mixing up my memories, but this thing no, is... I think, I think you're right. Yeah, this In, thing invisible is... Invisible dice rolls everywhere. Everywhere. Just freaking old school out the ass. And it is so easy to gimp your character. If you just, you know, you're rolling your stats randomly and you think you've got a good intelligence score for your wizard, you make them a wizard and you find out halfway or more through the game that they can't learn 7th level spells because your int isn't high enough. Ha ha! Gimpy wizard! Well, it's not as if a wizard needs to learn spells to be useful, right, Phil? <laughs> no, he's got his dagger. He's good. He's he's fine. And, <laughs> and, you know, wizards are great in the front line. They always are. Oh, yeah, especially in this game. <laughs> They'll last a long time. Ugh, boy. But like you said, I mean, if you can get through it, I mean, even with an FAQ help, like, I would say... I hate using FAQs, but I will tell you, boys and girls, if you're really gonna if you're really gonna jump into this to somehow prove that my years of pain are, are wrong, uh, do yourself a favor and at least read read the rules, the, all of the rules to this game. Get an FAQ because uh, because you're gonna yeah because it doesn't explain shiz. It do, it doesn't explain anything at all. So so get some FAQs that does. Uh, good time. Good time. Uh, I, looking on Game Facts, what is the description? A truly classic RPG. Oh, it Calling is. All fans of classic first-person playing games. Parties shall be assembled. Stats shall be Items, weapons, and armor shall be equipped. And monsters shall be slain. This is exploration and character development in its purest sense. I think part of my frustration was, look, back in the old days, when with, with some of the difficulty and the obtuseness or whatever the word would be uh, that they put into this game. Look, I, I love gold box games. I just got through Curse of the Azur Bonds last month. Uh, you know, but those books had everything in their instruction books, okay? When you ran into some of those class issues, and it could be very easy to gimp your characters in Curse of the Azure Bonds, but it was your fault for not carefully reading the instruction manual. Now, I can I can understand you're trying to make a game for the 21st century. Uh, I'm telling you, you know, gamers aren't reading all those instruction books, so I would put it in. Even if you make an old school game, I would put in tool tips or something along those lines that explains to them when they're making a character what some of those limitations are so they don't gimp their characters. And when I say gimp, like, I mean, you won't even know until your character hits level 10 that they can no longer progress, you know, in spell casting or something important because there was a limitation in effect there. So it's not something you're even going to see in Dark Spire at level one. It comes, some of that stuff comes down the road. Um, but if you're not going to put in tool tips, everything should be detailed in the instruction manual. Now, I didn't have the instruction manual because I just got like a, you know a review copy on the card. Yeah. Mike, did you buy the game? Did... No, but Mac did give me. It was a review copy, and it did come with the manual. Uh huh. And I remember the manual. It wasn't terribly helpful. It had a lot of information, but it didn't have all of the information I wanted to see. Yeah, and to go back to Kyan's point, even. You know, again, the only reason they didn't put that information in the game 
was because of space limitations, not because they really wanted you to look everything up in a book. The other interesting thing was even with the gold box games, now I can't speak to the first first generation wizardry games. I didn't play those, nor do I have any desire to. But in like gold box D and Dungeons and Dragons games, when you got a sword or something like that and you equipped it on a character, it did show on your character stat sheet what the damage would be. It would say like 1d6 plus 7. In in this game, I distinctly recall not having that anywhere. Like you literally just had to go and, and just chop on monsters and see if the numbers were bigger, which I thought was just stupid. It might have been in the instruction book that I didn't have. So that's a possibility. Of course, if you just FAQ it, somebody will have a list of all the weapons and the damage that they do, the damage ranges they do. But, uh, you know, it's just stuff like that that just, you know, got underneath my skin between, you know, that and some of the obtuse puzzles in these these things. If you're not a puzzle person, God bless your heart. You're going to have a real fun time with this one. Yeah, funny thing. I, I bought this game brand new when it came out because I thought it was going to be another Etrian Odyssey light game, and I was really excited about it. And I, I paid full price for it, like for 40 bucks at the time. You know, it was a nice little chunk of change. And then two months later at GameStop... I see that copies are going for five bucks, and I feel very cheated. <laughs> and then, what, ten years later, now copies apparently go for, like, four times the amount or something rid- ridiculous like that? I know that it it got expensive. You know what? That that makes me curious. Let's see what the Dark Spire is running. Yeah, and um, while, while you're doing Holy that... Holy wow! Brand new sealed for... $270. Woo, dog it. Oh, holy shit. Well, How much is my open copy worth? I want to sell this to somebody. Well, now I should have picked up some of those $5 copies. Now I'm mad again. Holy cow. Holy the Dark cow. Spire Collector's Edition complete. Auction ended for $109.95. Cart only $40. Nice, okay. I'm rich. Like, Woo. <laughs> Listeners, if you have a copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga you want to trade for me for this game, contact my Twitter, Redrock963. <laughs> I, 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 trust me, you're getting a good deal. <laughs> you will definitely enjoy, you will definitely play time with Darkspire than you Saga. Hey, hey, you'll you'll get your monies because you'll put a whole bunch of hours into this game. I'm not saying they're quality hours, but they're hours. The Dark Spire new and sealed was sold one hundred. Yeah, it was sold for how much? One hundred thirty-one dollars and fifty cents. Dang, 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 dang. Woo, doggity. Well, between that and my copy of Hexus Force, I've got retirement money. Uh oh my gosh! And then uh, oh oh and and I'm just reading through this FAQ you you connected here and something I probably wasn't paying a whole lot of attention to, but mm-hmm. um there's uh there's an alignment faith and so I mean D and D has an alignment your chaotic good or whatever and it's just something you pick and you don't pay attention to. So when I did in this game, I wasn't paying attention to, but reading this FAQ, it's like all these little things you do add to this alignment thing that's right underneath the hood, which definitely has you know some some impact on what you can and can't do so there's a thought uh the level eight holy spells with divine in their name sets you 
three away from your alignment. This only matters for chaotic characters since only chaotic casters get level 8 spells. However, it's unfortunate because the level 8 divine spells would be could be considered the ultimate healing spell in the game. Note that many level 8 chaotic uh, only and level 9 lawful only will lower your affinity towards your alignment, so be careful when using these spells. So the game's not even telling you that as you cast spells, you're screwing yourself over. Oh, and I completely forgot about this part, that if you put the wrong thing onto your characters, you know, you can equip it, but you really shouldn't, because it'll make you unable to cast spells or unable to have your pick locks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's an old school thing. And, of course, it's not going to tell you that. You just can't figure out why you can't cast in battle. It's the best thing ever. Uh, Something new on. It gave gave me more defense, right? But I, I can't cast anything. Because yeah. my priest is so weak that he can't wear a, a leather armor known for being super heavy. Uh. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, good times. Good times. Or, ooh, hey, backfired spells. Uh, who even knew spell, your spells could damage your own characters? <laughs> oh, boy, those are good times. <laughs> boy, Darkspire just has so much fun as your party destroys itself. You know, because of random rolls and random things underneath the hood that you don't know about. Um, yeah. Just good times. Yeah. It's it's the Dark Spire for everyone who think... The intro to this really said it in a nutshell. If you think that modern games hold your hand too much and you like understand and you don't like understanding what you're doing, this is the game for you, where you need to think about everything and you need to have a complex spreadsheet divining okay this happened when i did this but this didn't happen when i did this so maybe if i do this then something else will happen if that sounds awesome to you go for the dark spire although you won't find it cheap now too bad Mm -mm. and i'm telling you even with the faq you know and reading that all over there's so many moving pieces there you're still gonna have a challenge you know, don't worry about it. The FAQ is not going to make the game easy for you. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And if you want a real challenge, just don't look into the maps and see if you can figure out all those hidden doors in the dark rooms of death. Uh, freaking dark rooms, I hate. <sighs> but anyways, oh, this, this, this sounds like the most glowing recommendation in the history of. of... Well, I feel it's a great contrast I to think glowing. Should be replaced with qualified. The most yeah. qualified recommendation we possibly issue. I, I do feel like it's a great contrast. It's been a great discussion tonight because we went from from games that were that were okay to games that were super you know awesome and did retro gaming right to some of our darkest depths. Uh, and uh, somehow that ties in with Spires. Anyways, so there you go. That's what we're always joking about when we talk about that game. <laughs> Between that and that other DS game we don't talk about. And I think, was this the one, Mike, that I picked because I thought it looked good and Mac was trying to give me a break from bad reviews? I think I, it was. I think that was. Like, I had done, like, a string of, like, mediocre and just bad game reviews. And I was just wanting to slip my wrist. you were initially going to try and give it a three and a half. And then I pointed Otter and given it a three and a half. You know, because <laughs> I just kept arguing myself, like, as a reviewer, I, I could see somebody... Like, like it. I mean, the graphics and everything, it, it was just like, in in those respects, it was well done. I could see, I could see some people liking the game. I just felt like I wasn't one of them. I felt like somebody who was reviewing a sports game. I hate sports games. 
I hate games with puzzles. I hate games that don't explain the mechanics. I hate games with obtuseness. But I felt like if I put that all, you know, that vitriol into the review and gave it like a 2 out of 5 or a 1.5, then I'm just... You know, like I'm, I'm making it to a person like reviewers should somehow be objective. I mean, I now realize yeah, yeah. I'm older and mature. I probably should have just went ahead and did it anyways. <laughs> hey. and, let, and let Otter's terrible review stand as an example. Of- hey, every fly has its turd. Yeah, something. <laughs> it's just, it's something. Um, yeah, nope. I, um, there you go. Dark Spire. Um, and yay. So. All right, cool. Well, I think that's it for our, our main event. It's a really long main event, so if you uh, stand by, we'll try to get this wrapped up with the final lap. final lap where i don't know we do a whole bunch of stuff on the final lap just tons and tons of stuff we read your comments we talk we don't do a blast from the recent past because our main event was pretty sizable this time yeah there's a limit to how long you know my computer will only handle the podcast of only certain length before it just implodes uh and the disgaea podcast pretty much had done that is disgaea the record for the uh longest show feel like it is i haven't verified that scientifically or anything but it certainly feels like it i feel like disgaea also had one massive final lap because we lost some of the recording and then rather than attempt to recoup it we just went on to the final lap and i seem to recall starting to talk about something that would be the bane of my existence for many months thereafter something that came from if you guys have so uh, many pains. Oh, yeah, just don't understand the pains. Between Dark Spire and... Oh, oh she said it again. Oh, my gosh. Why, why do you Stop saying me? the word! <laughs> uh, yeah, is the one they go to, but... Uh... There are many more, yes. This is normally the part where I would quickly change the topic to comments on our last show, but there were none. We had lots of comments on the Pokemon show, not any comments on the seventh Dragon Quest. I can't imagine why. (laughs) Perhaps because not many people finished it. (laughs) You don't have to finish it to talk about it. Our forums have shown us that. (laughs) Perhaps not many people wanted to play it because of how he was. If you want to leave your comments, just uh, head over to rpgamer.com, go to podcast, click on RPG Backtrack, take the latest episode, even if you're writing from an older, about an older episode, we don't care. Always put your comments on the most recent episode because that's the one we read when we record. Uh, So just my luck that somebody did have lots of comments, but they left them all on the older episodes and I'm not going to go back and check them all. I don't know where everybody went. We know from the forums that people played this game and thought that I was really slamming on it when I reviewed the PlayStation version. Remember, we had a couple. We had a couple of people who came in and said, "Well, I feel like you come in and deliberately pick games that I love and 
trash him. That because I do love that. I love to smash people's hopes and dreams. That is something that gives me joy. It, isn't that why you, you play hundred hour games? <laughs> okay, wait, you both spoke at the same time. I couldn't pick it out. Yeah, isn't you, that why you play hundred hour games? You know, to to cr- just to crush people's dreams. Yes, that is entirely it. You have found me out. My mo has been exposed to the world. And it will have absolutely no effect on me whatsoever because it it isn't an MO that is motivated by profit. <laughs> My conspiracy theory is that you just have an agenda against that one guy. You go find his Steam list and just review everything he loves poorly. That would require me to research and find him on Steam, and I don't know that I want Aww. to do that. Yeah, that does sound like too much effort for petty revenge. That's also kind of stalkerish. Yeah, it's true. Now, if it was Otter, then I probably might, because he makes himself very easy to find. But we also know that he pays no attention to anything he doesn't want to see, so it would fall on deaf ears. See, I I have the opposite problem. I buy games that I know that are going to be bad and try to enjoy them anyway, and sometimes that bites me in the ass, like with Sonic 06. Or Lunar or Dragon Song. Oh, God, no. Hey, to to be fair with Dragon Song, that was like the first RPG on the DS, and I was so starved for anything RPG-like that I took the bullet for that one. You know, Final Fantasy IV was among the first RPGs for the Super Nintendo, so I I don't buy it being among the first RPGs. You can do better. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying it was a good first RPG, but at the time it was like, oh, Lunar. Lunar, RPG, my new system that's only been a Game Boy player at this point. How bad could it be? Those are famous last words. Yeah, that was, my, that was my famous last word picking up Sonic 06. <laughs> I have not touched that game, nor do I plan to at this point. My, my funny Sonic 06 story is that I bought that game and, and I played it at my then boyfriend, now husband's um, apartment because he had a 360 and I didn't. And I remember playing that one evening and getting to the silver, the hedgehog boss fight. And usually... The one the, ner- if, the, one the nerd got stuck, stopped yeah, by? Yeah, and anybody who's ever played this game knows that that's the boss fight where you're going to rage because of how broken it is. And I got so mad, I took the disc out of the 360, and I didn't want to smash it, but I handed it to my husband, and I said, fine, hide this and make sure that I never find it. Did he do so? Yes, we we actually found it uh, in one of the closets when we moved. And he was like, do you want me to get rid of it for you? I'm like, no, just put it in the box with the kitchen stuff. I just I need to keep it around as a painful reminder. Well, I hope it has been a salutary experience. Yes, I I look at it and like trust reviews. Sometimes they do know what they're talking. Also, about. Also, read the text of reviews. Yes. Don't be what? like so many people on the internet. What? Why would I do that? I just go to the score. The score tells me everything I need to know. Why do I need to waste my time with words? Remember all those reviews you've written, Phil, where you just threw the score out and said, I'm done. I don't need to write anything else. Well, yeah, that's the way it should work. 
Yeah, so let's... Uh, well, that's what the final lap's all about. Well, that's wait, just, wait a minute. Are is... you saying that every score for every site is compatible and interchangeable? That an IGN score is equally compatible with a GameSpot score? Or with our own scores? Right! Well, otherwise, Metacritic would be crazy. Yeah, they yeah. They have to be all compatible. Nah, they're all compatible, absolutely. One for one comparison. Uh, well, and this is what happens, boys and girls, when you don't send us comments. We get off the track on the RPG backtrack. Off the rails. So far off. Uh, so anyways, uh, we'll, we'll get it back on the rails by doing our round table where we get to talk about whatever we want anyways. Uh, so, you know, uh, we'll start, uh, with, uh, Mr. Carpenter. Oh, goodness. It's been a while since I've been on. Uh, I've been busy reviewing lots of... A couple of big back-to-back games. I did Yakuza Kiwami 2 and uh, Valkyria Chronicles 4. Mm-hmm. So those reviews are up on the site. Um, been working on... Valkyria Chronicles 4 an improvement over Valkyria Revolution? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty low bar, Mike. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the one game in the series I've played, so it's what I'm oh. familiar with. <laughs> Oh, that's so terrible. That, Mac, that's, that's not the game to play. Because last summer, Mac was asking around for people who wanted to review it, and it was on Vita, so I volunteered, and I got an experience. And that is absolutely correct. I had an experience with that game. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad that was before I joined the site, because I, I, I probably would have been interested in reviewing that, and I, yeah, that game was bad. But but four is very much a return to the original, so I, I yeah, it was very good. Didn't quite live up to the original for my you know, in my opinion, but it was an extremely good strategy RPG. Wait, I know Phil has some thoughts on the original. Don't you, Phil? I believe you've expressed them in the past, of course, but about the original what? Valkyria Chronicle. Oh goodness gracious. Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, the over most overrated prettiest game in the world. It's so beautiful, and yet so overrated. So pretty, but so overrated. So, and you're so wrong, Phil. I, I, I will, I will, I will. Uh, res- I, well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll definitely check out four to see if they, they, they addressed my, my, uh, my concerns with the actual gameplay model because it has the way the game is set up has inherent flaws when you have all your characters taking turns at, at the same time and you got things like hey just go get the flag and you win uh shoot somebody in the head and they die right away you combine all this together the game just becomes so lopsided it really becomes whoever can get to the other guy first and then they have to tone down the ai because if the ai played like a player did you, you get so pissed at the game it wouldn't be funny the guy just runs up shoots your people in the head they're all dead and, and takes his turn a couple of times, gets close enough, shoots him in the head, takes a couple more turns, shoots the next person in the head, you know, and just kills out three or four of your characters without you being able to react. Well, well, how many strategy RPGs have you played where the AI is as smart as a human player? No, but that, what I'm saying is they usually that's because they either didn't take the time or it just can't make it as smart as a human player. So they'll make up for it with some other things like overwhelming numbers or whatever. Um, but in this game, it feels like they purposely get went out of their way in order to dumb down the AI, because they realized that even, if, not to say even had to play as smart as a human player, but even if it just used the most basic strategy that human beings use in this game, because the game begs you to go and run up and shoot somebody in the head and, and, and you know, rush, knock them out of the thing, get the flag, and you're done. If the computer just used those basic strategies, the player would get pissed because they're so cheap and they kill off your people so quickly. It, it would have just been, there's just a couple of tweaks 
that, in my opinion, would make this game a lot more balanced from a design standpoint, such as you can't take all your turns on one character if you had to take, you know, each person one at a time. Or, heaven forbid, there was alternating turns based on initiative order, like a typical, you know, some of these other, you know, uh, strategy games. Then you you couldn't just, it would be a lot more dangerous just to run one guy ahead and try to take out three people with headshots. Um, well, 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 I wrote a very long be able to. talking about all the different uh, mechanical differences between the two. They didn't, they didn't change the mm. turn order like that, but they did change the map design quite a bit to uh, do away with those sort of simple, like uh, shenanigans. You know, kill two guys. Yeah, you can't just kill two guys and then run a scout and capture the uh, enemy base. Oh, that perfect. doesn't work. The other thing that got underneath my skin was, I, and I kind of felt like, so, uh, you know, there was the boss designs, which would, like, be completely different. The bosses had their own freaking rules uh, in order to beat them. It wasn't just that they had slightly higher stats or they were hit point sponges uh, or they got a couple of extra turns because, hey, they're a boss. But, like, I forget what's her name, where you basically had to hit her with smoke and surround her with two different people attacking her from two different directions because of magical reasons. She couldn't be affected by bullets unless you were, you know, doing this. Or or the or the fun, uh, here's a tank that just pops up behind your team on round five because of reasons. Just right there behind it. And if you know, if you played that board before, you could totally plan around it and that board's a cakewalk. But if it's your first time playing through and you haven't saved... Uh, you know, since the beginning, and that tank, you know, just pops in behind your team and kills them all while you're hosed. It was, I mean, did they, did that get any better? Yep, they don't do that anymore. Perfect. Actually, there are no giant tanks like there were in the first game. Okay, cool. So you don't have those same kind of missions. There are some boss battles that are tricky to figure out, you know, exactly how to tackle them, but nothing as annoying as the first game. All right, cool. They I learned their to... lessons on those on those fronts. Oh, perfect. Uh, and I look forward to it. I'm, I'm going to actually play through the, the first one uh, again uh, on the PC. Um, just, I don't know why I picked it, but it's on my list. Uh, and then I look forward to going back to and trying that and playing that and doing four. So that's cool. Don't you want to give Mac a salute and play the second one just because it's a uh, portable exclusive? I... The, the second one isn't that great. <laughs> it's yeah, the weakest one. Before Valkyria Revolutions, it is kind of the weakest one in the series. But Mac played it because it was on portable. portable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all right. But, I mean, it, it's definitely... I, I uh, Unfortunately, 3, which never came out in the West, like, fixed most of the problems that 2 had. It was actually quite good. But, you know, that's only via via fan translation. Which is pretty easy to do on Sony hardware, at least. Yeah. Yep. So it's uh, portable hardware, I should say. <laughs> I uh, bought an OLED Vita recently just so that I could take advantage of that. So that that's the couple things I've been reviewing. We're working on a uh, Vita, a, a best of Vita feature, which should be up probably by the time this goes up. Hopefully it's almost done. And uh, lately I've been playing another not great game for review. I've been playing uh, Metal Max Xeno. Which, heaven help, man, that's a bad game. <laughs> I think you've been talking with Gaijin about this, right? A little bit. Like, see, I, I, you know, I've been, he has been talking about the Metal Max series for years on the site. 
He's been writing about it. And they look weird and interesting, you know? There are these post-apocalyptic games where you have, you know, you have tanks that you modify. You're fighting, like, dinosaurs that also have, um, you know, like, tank cannons that come out of them and shoot at you for, you know, no no obvious reason. Like, ah, oh, we, we don't really need to explain that. It's weird and cool. <laughs> and And Xeno, it still has that. Like, like it still has some of the weird enemy design that that that's interesting, and I kind of enjoy driving around in the tank and shooting stuff. the The combat is turn based, but it moves really quickly, so it's you know it, it's pretty engaging. But holy cow, the story it 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 really takes advantage of its of the barren nature of the world, almost just to kind of get away with having really rudimentary graphics. <laughs> this game. You, you can pl- tell me which platform is it on? It's on PS4. Ah, yes. Well, PS4 is not a graphics powerhouse in the slightest. <laughs> I would I would expect things to look pretty outdated on it. Yeah, you know, it, it obviously started out as a, a Vita game, and they just ported it over to PS4 to you know mainly to have a have a uh, way to bring it over to the West. And it doesn't even look good for a Vita game. It, it is it, it looks like something from the PS2 era. And the story is just very bare bones. Um, Like all the earlier games, like they had towns and lots of NPCs and they kind of like build the story that way from at least from my understanding, because there hasn't been a game in the Metal Max series to come out since like the PS2 era. But this was the only one to come out of Japan. Yeah, yeah. But the um, the story in this one, I mean, there's just like every single time you go to a town, it's like, oh, this town was just nuked by the the by the machines that are trying to wipe out humanity, so there's nobody left. <laughs> so there only ends up being like six or seven people in the entire game, and a lot of them are kind of awful. It, 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 oh, geez, the men have the sexual politics of like a, a, a horny 13-year-old guy. It, it's really bad. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. And then to top it all off, you know, like I'm, I get to the end of this game. It's been pretty mediocre. It has a couple of redeeming qualities. Get to the end of the game in like 25 hours, and it's taken me like 12 hours of grinding to kind of figure, to level up my characters and to figure out how to take on this end game boss rush where you got to beat like three mid brosses and this really difficult final boss. All in a go, you can't save in between them, so you have to like set it up and make sure that you have an you know like that you balance out your um all your weapons so that you have enough uh so you have enough you know you have enough ammo that you don't waste it on the earlier mid bosses you have to have enough healing items and it's oh it's just a pain in the ass it's just you know like one last little thing to kick you here at the end of the game. I have no clue why game designers want to do that too. It, it might have been cool if you were like if the game were hard all the way along and you actually had to spend a lot of time kind of thinking about how I'm going to how you're going to build the tank to get past the next story boss, but mm-hmm. that never really came up. It's just kind of like, oh, right here at the end you get nailed with a huge difficulty spike. So, Man, Josh, and, you've played some turds this year. Yes, I have. We all know <laughs> I'm a huge fan of difficulty spikes. Isn't it fun? Right at the end, you're ready for the game to be over, and then it's like, nope, nope, super difficult boss. Wait, Phil, I think something like that happened to you that you've talked about in the past, but 
It was on a, some small game. I, I don't know if I can remember the name of it. Wasn't it a little wee- or weird or maybe even strange? You know, it may have been bizarre, odd. I guess strange, yeah. That, what Was it a trip? Uh, a a trek. vacation? A, a tr- holiday? No. Oh, a, a journey. What? Journey. That's what it journey. was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some would even call it a strange journey. Hmm. It was strange. Stupid freaking cheaty boss at the end. Fucker, 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 fucker. Yeah, there's no way I'm ever playing Strange Journey after hearing you talk about it. Uh, it's even worse than the remake. It's worse than the remake? Really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. That was going to be the next one I was going to put in my 3DS. I can't, I can't no, remember. No, no, no. I'll, let's, let's be slightly clearer here, Kelly. The original boss, and then there's... Um, I gather there's a couple of different alternate final bosses you can get in Redux. Yeah. And I got the one that took me over an hour to kill. Oh. Yeah, same here. I can't even remember what it did. I know that it... I think it completely nerfed, um, like, certain demons of certain alignments while you yes, were fighting it, it. it. Well, it did It did a bunch of things. A, it could just... This turn, all neutral attack Or this, for a while, all neutral attacks will be reflected. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was so it. Then you, then you have to swap out anybody who's neutral. And then a few turns later, it'll decide to go all lawful. And it will also go through the attack patterns of the previous um, Redux-only bosses. So you have to remember what those are because it changes its weaknesses for each one of those. Yes, yes, that's what it it was. it doesn't heal entirely. Uh, Let me rephrase. You get it down in life, and then it does heal entirely, and it gets harder to kill because, yes, that's what it does after it heals. Only... Co-op attacks. You land in you land an attack. Somebody else who's the same alignment jumps in and does extra damage. Those are the only things that will do more than double-digit damage on a boss with what is it about nine, ten thousand HP? Yes. So if you and of course if you have too many things of the same alignment, it's going to make that alignment worthless for a few turns. <laughs> hey. Not only do you need to account for a lot of weaknesses, but you also need to account for a lot of alignments. And, you know, your go-to when you have to worry about weaknesses is Meg- Megdo, which is a elemental-free um, spell that you usually can kind of get away with in most other SMT games. But, but in this but one... It does, it, this one, it has to be a, co- a, a combined attack. Even yeah. Megdo won't do much. Yeah. So a lot of times in that fight, you're like, okay, which which boss is it being, or, or which boss is it mimicking, and which alignment is completely useless now? So you kind of got to count out your the, the rhythm of the fight or or have a fact handy. But this yep. is the optional <sighs> super boss, right? No, oh no, I think it's required. <laughs> well, yeah, wait, is it? You get, is a choice it? Near the, you get a choice at the end. You can either. Do what this new character has been asking you to do and go fight against fate. Or you can say, I don't like you and actually fight her, which means that you get to fight her and she comes with a couple of very nasty demons. So I didn't fight her. I gather she's nearly or perhaps on the same level as your your actual final boss. Oh, so I would have to fight this person to see the credits. Yeah. Yep. Well, Damon. Well, wait. Uh, so, so wait. So, not so in the original one, that boss. No, the original boss is still there. 
I was able to beat that original boss. Uh, I lost to it the first time. I went around, did a few things, gained a few levels, got a few new demons, came back, beat the crap out of her, and then comes... I guess if you haven't been paying any attention to the new content, then you pretty much have to fight this person by default because uh, you have to go through the new dungeon, which is very big. Yeah. But, and it so, opens up gradually as you are able to go through the main game. But it behooves you to do that new dungeon because um, yes. there's a lot of good stuff in it that really You get helped. so much good stuff. There's just the one function that lets you see where a teleporter is going to take you on the map. That's so useful. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing in Etrian Odyssey games to know where the heck you're going to warp to. Well, it's not in the vanilla version of Shin Megami Strange Journey. Nope. So you definitely want to go there and get it because there are several teleport mazes that if you don't have it, you're just going to have to have graph paper or something because this isn't an Etrian game and you can't put notes on the map. Exactly. That's the only redeeming factor of those kind of warp things is at least, you know, fool me once, okay. But fool me twice, that's my own fault, man. I didn't mark it down. And I think that one of the other really nice things you get from that bonus dungeon is the ability to um, make low-level encounters go away. Yes, or to tailor the amount of... You can change the encounter rate. You can have it go really low or really high if you just decide, I feel like grinding. I want an encounter every five steps. You can do that. Our game, that would be a a time saver or... If I needed to grind for that uh, lovely boss you're telling me about, that would be good, too. And you also find some new bosses in there that you can eventually fuse, and they come with some new abilities. But, you know, this, this is Shin Megami Tensei. You're probably not going to need any demons, at least. That's, that's my stuff. No, because that one's uh, that one's in, like, the next one or two for the 3DS. Well, thankfully, at least now, they probably have a couple of decent facts out so that you can at least cheese stuff if you get uh, get too stuck. I think I played through it brand new all the way through. So, I did play through it brand new, but I know that certain people on GameFAQs are very prone to talking ad nauseum in the forums about this kind of stuff, and I used that to my advantage. I would just look around and see if anybody was talking about something that was pertinent, and often it was the case. That That um, is the only plus of reviewing, you know, JRPGs that have already come out in Japan, is using the uh, Google Chrome and trying to find Japanese facts for the games. <laughs> <laughs> Though I do think a lot of Strange Journey, and I ended up having to use a uh, Japanese site for some of the maps. Maybe that was such an SMT4 apocalypse. I'm not sure. I know one of them. I had a Japanese site that was translated via Google on my phone at all times. <laughs> what the heck is wrong with GameFAQs? All the stuff on Strange Journey Redux is just the DS version. Here, there's nothing new for the 3DS, even though there's plenty of new content. What the hell is wrong with this? Nobody won't update their six-year-old uh, FAQ? Apparently not. I'm very disappointed. Instead, you have to go into the GameFAQs forums and see what people are talking about. And then you get wonderful questions like, are there any games like this on PS4? (laughs) I just get annoyed that GameFAQs search algorithm for the uh, boards are still broken where it only uh, searches the titles for stuff. That drives me up the wall. Anyway, Joshua, I feel like we've gotten... Yeah, poor Joshua. Yeah. (laughs) Taking a strange journey away from uh, his time here. Yeah, yeah we we decided to take we decided to take you on a strange journey with us. 
That's okay, you know, like that. And yeah, Metal Max isn't isn't. <laughs> I'm I'm happy to get away from talking about that. Sadly. <laughs> yeah, you done? Yeah, yeah. That that's most everything. So let's pick on Miss Relly. What's up with Miss Relly today? Well, I've been playing more Dragon Quest Eleven and haven't been able to put that game down. I mean. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Undertale so much that I had to drag myself from that game to come talk to you guys tonight. That's how addicted I am to that game right now. Oh, Dragon Quest Eleven is so good, guys. I don't know who how else is playing in? it. I'm about 70 hours in. Where are you? I just got past the major twist. Um... The... Yes, the uh, the uh, Kefka messing with the statues kind of moments. Mm-hmm. If I could compare to another game that has a similar thing. Um, From what I can gather, that's basically halfway through the main game. Although the post game is incredibly just as long again, another half as long again. Yeah, I've heard that the post game is pretty huge, though. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna do the post game or not. Um, if it's like Lunar Two, where it contributes a major chunk to the story, then maybe. But Lunar Two's is almost unique in that it's pretty short. It's not really designed to let you go beat the crap out of a whole bunch of super bosses. Maybe there are other games that have done it like Lunar Two, but I can't remember any offhand. Yeah, I don't. I don't really do post games and or post story in games mostly because you know once I roll credits, I feel like I'm kind of done with the game. I have that feeling a lot. I'll get to that, and even though it's a great game, and I've seen the credits, and there's a lot of other great games out there. Can't think of the last game that I did did any sort of post game content with where I just couldn't. I I want to say I like Final Fantasy Tactics Advance because I wanted to finish, finish all. 200 missions, but that was years ago. The only one I ever did that, at least as an adult, was like the original Valkyria Chronicles. Yeah. Going back and trying to do everything in that. But that wasn't a super long game to begin with. Yeah, I mean, I mean, post-game in a game that's already going to be clocking around 80 hours is uh, asking a lot of me right now, because I've, I've got a lot of stuff that I want to play. You know, this yeah. guy one just literally just came in the mail. Uh, I want to give Valkyria Chronicles a try when it hits the switch. I want to give uh, the Trails and of Cold Steel games a try at some point. Have you not played them at all? No. <gasps> I know. Don't. Um, it's okay. It's okay, really. Yeah, I understand. You're paid. Uh, I'm also a person who hasn't played it yet. <gasps> <laughs> I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't beat them, but I have played a lot. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. You know haven't beat them. Who actually might be in my mailbox right now. Either that or tomorrow. I uh, finally got a hold of that. And plus, I've, I've been kind of looking for something a little bit long-term to play on the Vita since I've kind of finished almost, I want to say, most of my... 3DS games that I've been interested in playing right now. I might need, I might need to go back and finish Stella Glow at some point, but I'm kind of got a little bored with that one. Yeah, um, it sounds like you don't have to go back and play it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Cold Steel will keep you occupied for quite some time. 
Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's an interesting thing about my 3DS, is that my 3DS doesn't really have a huge backlog, because pretty much everything that's come out for it, I've completed, or at least rolled credits on. Everything that you were interested in, right? Yeah. Because that, yeah. that system has a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Um, I'm sad, I, I, I tell you, I can't wait for Etrian Odyssey Nexus, and I can't wait for Persona Q2. I'm upset that... We're not going to get Etrian Odyssey Untold 3, because I think 3 was the best of the original trilogy on the original DS, and it's a shame that that one isn't, isn't going to be getting a remake, unless I, I they gather, some... I gather Untold 2 didn't sell that well, which is probably the... I heard in Japan that was, yeah, a really bomb, and they've done too much with the DLC, and that hasn't gone over well in Japan with that. Well, I mean, 3DS games just haven't been selling well, period, here in the U.S. this year. Gee, I can't Sad. imagine why. It's, it's like we have a shiny new console. Sad face. <laughs> I'm buying all the 3DS games. Yeah, me too. I've, <laughs> I've been too. I have a stack of Atlas games from this year that do, you just wait for. Uh, is, is there any hint on whether Etrian games are going to be on the Switch? And if so, how in the hell do you do the mapping? <laughs> um... I imagine that in handheld mode, you'd be able to do it yourself, and in console mode, you just have to use the cursor. Eh. Uh, that sounds super uh, exciting. They're going to do it. They haven't announced how they're going to do it, but there's actually, like, an image uh-huh. in Switch, and, yeah, they've said they're going to keep going. Okay, cool. I just love the I, series so much. I mean, do you guys do manual mapping, or do you do the auto map? Manual. That's the way nature manual. intended. Manual. Nope. If- it's beautiful. What what the hell is wrong with you guys? I like leave can... little notes because I can leave little notes or remind myself. Oh, that's the spring where I you know can get this or you know this teleport goes here. It's really great. It's just like old school because it was just it was just so beautiful. I even do draw you... my lines. It makes you feel so accomplished. And, and do you go beat your laundry on a rock by the river too? Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Doesn't everyone? Yeah, doesn't everybody? Yeah. <laughs> Tone smell to everything. Hey, I do draw. My own characters. I don't just rip something off the internet and you know copy somebody else's design because it gives me a sense of accomplishment and creativity. Well, that that's different. Drawing your own characters is fun. I'm doing that right now. Drawing but... drawing my map is kind of the same because I I get to like put my little quirks in it that lets me you know remember where things are at. And it's something that you're right. Like I'll play other games like on the Vita that are dungeon crawlers and the auto mapping. And you're like, okay, I could just play and beat monsters. I don't have to stop to, you know, to draw the map and stuff, but there's definitely times, especially like in like a strange journey is a great example where I found myself in the later, more complicated dungeons, wishing I could leave some notes and it's just not a thing. Or there was like demon gaze, which had this clunky way of like, you could write a note and drop it on the ground. But you had to type in, like, one character at a time. It was really... It just felt so clunky to EO. Huh. Yeah. And, uh, spe- speaking of drawing, I will hopefully have that artwork for Anna's, um, Let's Play stream done. Or, I mean, the artwork is done. I just... I don't know if she's, uh, ready to approve it yet or not to use on her Let's Play stream. Um, she's been playing Final Fantasy for Free Enterprise, doing uh, speed runs of it. And um, Free Enterprise is a randomized version of Final Fantasy IV. Um, have, you, have you guys ever watched, like, random Let's Plays of Link to the Past? 
I have not. It, it's kind of like that. And yeah. she com- she commissioned me to do some banner artwork for it, and that has Kane um, doing a jump on the RP Gamer mascot. And just this week, I also added a fat chocobo to it, too, which as soon as she gets that approved, I want to upload it. And I can't wait to show off the artwork for that because I'm really proud of it. But that was kind of my life for a- an entire week trying to get that done. And then she was sick, and we didn't kind of couldn't communicate and this week i did the fat chocobo and boy drawing that fat chocobo it it, trying to transfer like a 50 by 50 pixel thing to full-blown artwork can be quite difficult there's a lot of room for interpretation there (laughs) is is, miss rally is is there is there any place at rp gamer uh on the website uh that our listeners could go and see some of your artwork that you've done maybe um, my Instagram is probably the best bet. It's, uh, my Instagram account is redrock963. See, I'll get that, write that down right now. Instagram, redrock963. Um, that, that's where I upload 90% of my stuff, though. If, if you want to see a high res, um, probably the best bet is my Tumblr. Um, same, same username, view Tumblr. I, I don't post any not safe for work stuff, but view Tumblr at your own risk. Now, on uh, real quick, I know this is totally off topic, but on the Instagram daily, because I just started that a while back, like a couple of weeks ago. Do you, for drawings, if I draw digitally, do you, do I end up uploading them to a different website so I can pull them up on my phone, so I can save them to my phone, so I can put them on Instagram, because I can't seem to find a way on Instagram's website to just upload it directly to my computer. Am I wrong there? Um, there's a way you can hack it. If you go into, and you can Google this if you get lost, but if you go into Chrome and go into dev mode, you can switch it to mobile and you can do it from there. Ooh, okay, cool. Good to know. I've been able to... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I've been able to do it in Firefox, though, but the trick is trying to get the button, the actual post button to show up, because once you get it in mobile mode in Chrome, you have to hit F5 to, hit F5 to refresh the page, and then the button where you can post will show up, and then you can just post it like you would on a normal phone. But I can't, I did it once in Firefox, and I can't figure out how to do it again. Hot Instagram posting tips, here only at the RPG Backtrack. Yeah, and I like I like Instagram a lot. I just wish that there was a way. Well, two things. I wish that there was a way that people people could view high res, so that you that, you know they could see the detail in my work. And I also wish that you could go back and edit posts because I've I've had numerous times where I either forgot to sign something or forgot oh forgot to activate a layer um, long after the fact, and it's like okay, do I want to sacrifice all my twenty views to? get the right version of the file up here or do I just want to leave it and have it drive me crazy mm. but, but I do think Instagram is kind of the best way to get your stuff out there and actually seen by eyeballs because not many people use DeviantArt anymore mm. oh, yeah. and, the, yeah. and the people that do I don't know if I want to associate with <laughs> or rather I, I don't want to uh, show non-internet folk <laughs> Well, this is this is true. Uh, uh, I I went back, so I've been drawing again. I, I take a long hiatus, 
and uh, I just the last month I've been uploading, and I, so I, I you know go back at my DeviantArt account, upload some things. Made the mistake one time because I was like, oh, I could use a little inspiration for design, and decided to look up. And my character is is a lady, so I look up female superheroes. Oh boy, the search results that came up there. Oh, that was probably a mistake. Good thing I didn't do that at work. Um, so <laughs> back on top. Playing anything else fun, Miss Kelly, that you want to share with us? Not particularly. As far as my portable game, because I always have at least one console game and one portable game going, I've been really all over the place trying to figure out where I want to play portably. Um, ever since I finished Etrian Odyssey 5, I've been in kind of a portable slump, which is why I think I want to give um, Trails a chance. Yes, play Trails. I, I, I think I'm caving to peer pressure. Join us! <laughs> one of I, us. One of uh, us. I've I've heard so much good stuff about trails, and I do like I did like uh. You're right, Sky. Sky. Yeah, I, I like Sky quite a bit. There, there's a really long backtrack about it that proves it. Yes, I was on one of those, <laughs> or I was on that back or half of that backtrack. <laughs> half of one. <laughs> so it was a, two... a quarter of the backtracks. It, it, it's because it's two games, but it's technically one big game. I know, I've played the first one and not the second, although I've got it sitting there on Steam. That'd be a great idea to play next to. It is. It's a very good game. Yeah, I I concur. I, I mean, we already did a backtrack about this, but man, that's it. I had kind of given up on Trails before that particular one came out because of the god-awful ones that came out. Uh, Gargav. Yeah, when the um, PSP first launched. Well, that wasn't all Falcom's fault. Well, it was their fault for giving it to Namco to port and do a terrible job localizing, but <laughs> that 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 wasn't uh, Falcom's work. Uh, I I just I got stuck in that first Legend of Heroes. Um, there could nobody played it, so I couldn't figure out where to go next. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I guess I'm done with this game. <laughs> It, it was done by one of those, like, Namco outsourced it to one of those small, um, you know, like, middle companies in Japan that do ports and stuff that you've never heard of, that you'll oh. occasionally see flash by. Yeah, it, they they didn't do such a hot job on it. Th- that's always nice. Let's just give it to some guys. <laughs> Why not? Were the other two games, the, the like, Song of the Ocean and whatever, whatever the other one was, any good either, or were they kind of the same quality? Similar, yeah. Okay. Oh, such a shame. Unfortunately, yeah, there's not a great way to play those in English. Oh. There, there are, like, fan translations of some of the PC versions that are probably the best way of doing it. I've heard those the just PC came versions out. are a lot better. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the original ones from Falcom are much better. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Oh, well, I, I guess you guys can see me. I think after it, when I when I'm lying in bed tonight, uh, kind of winding down, I think that's what I'm going to boot up. It's the carts in my Vita. Well, there you go. Ready to go. You're most of the way there. Do you, do you have the PS3 version as well? Are you going to cross save? No, um, mostly because I didn't feel like paying like what the 120 bucks when it came out or something ridiculous like that to buy both versions. I don't think that one was that much. I think, well, you know, it would have been 80 bucks to buy those. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure if the uh, PS4 versions were full price or not. Well, the the PS4 versions that are coming out, I think they're going to be 50 a piece. Yeah, and, and they don't cross-save. Not but as far have, as I know. But they have a steel book. It's the most important <laughs> thing. They have a 50 mirror coin. And an Ouroboros pen. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. That's our trails tangent for that. <laughs> now, now we need a saga tangent. <laughs> Fantasy. Say what? Is anybody uh, on playing Final Fantasy? If we're talking about the big series here, we hit Dragon Quest. We've uh, talked about Mega Ten. We've uh, what else? We hit <laughs> Trails. I, I will say I am kind of revving up to maybe do another play of um, either six or one because those are my two comfort food games when I really have nothing else I want to play. But since Josh convinced me to hop on the Trails train, which is actually quite appropriate for Cole. <laughs> It is all about trains, yes. There you go. (laughs) Perfect, perfect. Like Sophie of Final Fantasy VIII, I do like trains. There you go. Lots of trains, Cold Steel. And then lots of Suikoden mechanics in Cold Steel too. It's cool. Ooh, really? See, that's a series I've not played at all. What? What? No, I've got number one sitting on the Vita ready to go. See, that's the other way I might go. Uh, Just just skip the two. Just do two. Skip the two? Yeah, just... Just do two. Got that there too. They're both on the PSN. Yeah. So two, yeah, they're both uh, yeah. purchased and ready to go. Two is uh something. Something <laughs> special. It's funny. I I played two and I, I beat it back in the day, but because I missed one character, I never got the good ending and it's always haunted me. Oh oh yeah, yeah. But yep. Exactly what you're talking about. Because I didn't get the good ending either. The the one character I missed was one that I think in a strategy battle you had to like cherry tap and and just to injure him but not kill. Him. And I realized this long after the fact, and it's like I put, I've already restarted this game once because I missed Clive yeah. somewhere too. So I'm not restarting. I didn't have the patience to do that, and the game made me feel very bad for it. <laughs> yes. I will avoid any spoilers. <laughs> Yes, so it could makes you feel bad for making bad decisions. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep the party moving. It's gonna get a little long for my recorder. Uh, since I heard his voice, what about Mister Mister Wheels? Mister Wheels? I don't think you've ever called me Mister Wheels. Your wheels now, dang it, Mister! I got a pretty bow. It's uh, it's beautiful. It's a work of art. That is gonna be on your grave. Took Phil's bow. <laughs> <laughs> he could have made it too. He made daggers instead. Oh no, you've entered the old married couple pact. He's never going to let you live that down. <laughs> uh, so I recently beat, it's not exactly an RPG, but Spider-Man on PS4, uh, which uh, my son is really into Spider-Man. So he was just like, hey, Dad, can you play S- Spider-Man? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, you know. Sure, twist my arm. Yeah, you really have to twist my arm to play this awesome new Spider-Man game. Uh, but yeah, it is now my favorite superhero game of all time. Just Even, uh, even more fan- than Batman? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Just fantastic writing, fantastic voice acting, some awesome cinematic battles, and it does just this an awesome job of making like its own version of Spider-Man continuity. Now, I haven't played it, but I understand that there's a Superman game on Nintendo 64. It's really, really good. Uh, are you sure that the Spider-Man game beats it? Uh, yeah, just, you know, a tiny bit. You know, just a, just a little bit. Or okay. I, I had by to make five sure. miles or so. But yeah, yeah, it's definitely better than that. 
I, I haven't played it. I've I've watched my husband play the Spider Man game and I'm almost tempted to pick it up myself, which you know, normally this type of game is not my cup of tea. Uh, I'd say um, go for it, especially for a Spider-Man fan. Actually, well, wait a minute. Why would I buy it? I just I could just borrow his copy when he's yeah. done. But I mean, yeah, it's not too hard. I beat it on hard and didn't have too much of a trouble. Too much trouble. So uh, if you're just like in it mostly for the story, you're not going to get too stuck there. But it's just really fun. It's got like a lot of the usual open world stuff that I usually don't care about in those sorts of games. Uh, but yeah, just going through the story was an absolute blast. And uh, I'm very eager to see what the DLC and the sequel is like, because uh, yeah, it doesn't, ne- doesn't necessarily set up one sequel, but it basically, it's it's like I said, it sets up its own version of Spider-Man continuity and leaves like tons of room for lots and lots of sequels, however many they want to do. So. Uh- I'll tell you what, while I was watching my husband play this, I'm like, Disney needs to hire Insomniac, throw them a truckload of money, and be like, okay, make an Avengers game with us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Square Enix is making one, right? And they've got uh, Crystal Dynamics working on it. So it, I, I trust them. So we'll see how that turns out. But um, yeah, uh, Insomniac did a wonderful job and um, I'm sure they're going to be working on Spider-Man stuff for a while to come because uh, it seems like this game did really well. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't it the best-selling game last month? Probably. I wouldn't and, be surprised. And it absolutely poops over the writing of like every Spider-Man movie ever, even Homecoming. Are, are you sure? I remember those amazing Spider-Man movies being that's, amazing. That's, Let's not talk about those. What? Don't you remember how well-developed the Green Goblin in Amazing Spider-Man 2 was? Hey, to, to be fair, to be fair, those, those Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies have the best version of J. Jonah Jameson ever put the film. Oh, that's true. <laughs> well, Do you don't say that because there is no J. Jonah Jameson in Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Do you know they actually brought they brought back J.K. Simmons to play J. Jonah Jameson in one of the Spider-Man cartoons? Yeah, I think I heard that. Yeah, and and I could hear I could listen to J.K. Simmons read the phone book. That's how much I oh, like yeah. him as an actor. Uh, he's not in this game, but uh, whoever is playing uh, J.J. in this game uh, is definitely doing like a J.K. Simmons impression. You can tell. Yes, I love that. J. Jonah Jameson and this game is basically an Alex Jones ripoff. Yes. <laughs> it, it's pretty funny. And it, that's that's another thing about this game. Just like a lot of little details they put in are just great. And the way they build up to the villain and uh, I, I could just talk about the game forever, but I don't want to I don't want to accidentally spoil anything because there are a, a fair number of surprises in it. So to say, if you have a PS4, or you like Spider-Man, go for it. Is saying Stan, Stan Lee isn't in a spoiler? No, no. You, saying you have Stan Lee isn't any Marvel property now a spoiler? Probably not. Yeah. You have to assume he's in there, and the, the real surprise is how they fit him in there. Yes, I, I thought that scene was rather cute. Yeah. Uh, as far as actual RPGs go, um, a bunch has come out lately, and I've kind of like started and stopped a few things. Like, I'll get back to Metal Max Xeno now that I finished Spider-Man. I, <clears throat> I'm 
played a few hours of that, and it's um, it's, it's a game. Yeah, yes, Very it is. It's, it's a game. Um, there, there are some cool looking tanks and uh, and some weird enemies, and uh, it kind of goes downhill from there. Unfortunately, it sure makes me wish that the uh, awesome DS and 3DS games got localized. I'll say that. Yeah, no kidding. So I've got some of them, and they're really good. Have it's you just... gotten to uh, any where you get the uh, female characters yet? No. I mean, oh, okay, I'm, so I'm you're still pretty early. Okay, yeah, I'm super early. I have no, I have no party members. Oh, okay, you're super early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You've got that yeah. to look forward to. That it, it's really awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and in better things, I started playing Valkyria Chronicles, and Ooh. I'm actually. Can tell how early I am because I'm I'm actually playing through the demo because it said you get a bonus for transferring your data over. So right now I'm just playing through the demo portions. I do have the full game, but really, really enjoying that. Really glad to have the series back on a non-PSP system yeah. where it can actually breathe, and uh, I'm actually quite enjoying the characters so far. So um, yeah, I'm I'm sure I'm going to be playing a lot of that, and but I do want to. Most importantly, I want to get back to Ease 8 and polish it off sometime soon, because uh, that game is great. Mm-hmm. You haven't finished it yet? I'm astonished. No. Uh, I am very distractible. I and feel really, your pain. Yeah, I, I, really, I know I finished it because Matt gave it to me for review, so I reviewed it. Yeah, but I mean, honestly, most a lot of my time gets sucked up with Destiny and Monster Hunter, so uh, oftentimes the other games I'm kind of going in like fits and spurts so yeah and I, I keep hearing something about you acquired a new implement of killing in monster hunter that phil yeah. strongly dislikes because it shows him up in some way but <laughs> i i would rather let phil speak for himself but i don't think he wants to chime in here every time we went out so we went out hunting two star monsters two star this is like still the beginning of the game really i mean it's just monster hunter so the beginning is really like 30 hours in but every single time we went out to hunt a different monster mr apps had a freaking different glowing armor glowing swords just sparkles coming off of his weapons he didn't wear the same thing twice it was like he had a freaking wardrobe back in his tent with his cat (laughs) you know he just coming out with something different every time and here i am i'm still wearing like the leather armor from the first bear you kill you know i'm like that's that's what i'm dressed up at i I just i I don't know i just i I just i just feel like mike was holding out on me he did text me and say hey look i'm gonna have all these glowing things so be right now no he just just shows up a picture of my gouda axe Oh, the Gouda axe, uh huh. Yeah, which I haven't actually used yet. I just had to craft it because it's it's an axe. It's a giant piece of cheese. It is pretty funny. You guys have to see the Gouda axe. And he did tell you about the snowman lance. Did you tell him about the snowman lance? No, it's it's a gun lance that it's it's just a snowman. I don't know how else to describe it. And when you fire off like the the gun lance shots, it sounds like a it sounds like a blaster from Star Wars. It's ridiculous, and I love it. You know, the funny thing is that when Phil surpasses you and Phil gets a lucky drop, um, he's still going to be giving you crap for this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, of course. That's the way nature intends. Absolutely. Anything else, Mr. Apps? Uh, well, I mean, you know, I have the shiny bow crafted. Okay, moving on. Light, uh, crafted from a lightning dragon. I think it's new guy's turn. Where's that new guy at? New guy's right here. All right. New guy. 
Um, so in the past just couple of weeks, I've dropped two reviews on the site. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I did the Stardew Valley review, so that's up. Um, that's on Switch, right? Vita. It oh, is okay. on Switch. It is on Switch, but I reviewed the Vita version. Um, it had a couple crashes, but um, those were all that there was a couple updates while I was playing it over the summer and heck it's been another three months since now. So who knows what they've updated. Um, and then I did my, since I'm pretty new to the site, I did my very first uh, review that I kind of my hand and said, Oh, I'll play that. Um, new Valley is a solo developer deal. Um, it's on steam. It comes out. This will drop. Um, I think October, late October, it comes out. Um, it's called the greater good. And it's funny reading some of the press material and reading tweets about it. And like, you know, this is a love letter to games in the past and everything. And I, I've joked before that that uh, term just kills me. The love letter to this, the love letter to this. So of course I uh, put in there as the title of my review. This was a love letter to classical RPGs written in MS paint <laughs> because it, the game plays like Child of Light. It's got all the platformer things. You're going left, right. Um, everything's just really bizarre polygons. I mean, it is like if you were to draw a person in MS Paint using the polygon tactic and clicking, you know, 20 little corners, and that's what everything looks like. Now, there are some neat lighting elements that kept me from, like, completely bashing it for the graphics, but 95% of the graphics are just blocky stuff. The characters look a little weird like that, and the font is straight out of Commodore 64, and half of it gets like bolded or outlined, and half of it doesn't just kind of randomly the solo developer. But, I mean, the game itself was pretty average. I mean, there was no, other than the graphics, nothing was really bad, but it was your standard turn-based system, attack, attack, heal, attack, attack, heal, um, that everybody got to use together um, that didn't charge very quickly and therefore didn't get a lot of usage, which would have been a lot of help medium level of difficulty, um, and even random encounters. There were some times that I thought, oh, I'm dead. Over screen, maybe a dozen times, and the game's only about an hour or ten hours long. So uh, that was uh, that was interesting. Um, all I've been playing is Dragon Quest XI, um, up to 70-plus hours, although part of that is my uh, son has gotten old enough that he is very interested in what I'm playing a lot more. And if I'm not playing late at night when he's asleep, he'll be like, ooh, can I watch? And 10 minutes later, he's got the controller, and I might as well just go cook dinner at that point because I'm not getting the controller back. We're not advancing the story, and we're not nailing out all the side quests at that point. So but well, really gonna, enjoying that game. Is he good at grinding at least? Yeah. I, I, there are times, and I'll, I'll be honest, I, I work a lot, and I'll come home from like a 10, 11-hour day, and I'll put the game on and wake up. And he'll have gone somewhere and done something and saved. And I'm like, what the heck happened? So I'm really enjoying the fact that they have the uh, a save game, and it's like the story so far. Yeah, um, all, all games need to have that. I mean... In the past three weeks, I think he's done it two or three times, and it's just minor story stuff, so I haven't gone back and reloaded, but I'm making sure to keep a separate save game now, like three screens away, <laughs> that he'll probably never write over, um, something important. The uh, the mid-game 
he played through that like three times just to watch all the uh, movie part of it and the stuff that happens there. So, I was going to say, does he know that he can go to uh, the Metal Academy and watch movies there? He's five, so he, you know, oh. he, he kind of gets that he can walk around. And I usually leave the film. Uh, I even turn the battles on uh, mainly auto. Presses X to start, and he'll control like one character and just do regular attacks. But everybody else cleans up the garbage for him. I see. He he, but he can walk around. He can do the 3D environment. He can play Dragon Quest Heroes very well. So oh, that is a good game for a five-year-old. Just plows through, and he's hacking and attacking everything. He's learned how to do the skills, and it's funny when he shows me how to do stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I know that, but oh my gosh, I don't think when I was five, I would have been figuring out those game mechanics. So uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I haven't played a game on my Vita or my 3DS in about two months, and I am really, really starting to feel that itch. I need to put something in there. So I did order Trails of Cold Steel 2. That should be in the mail. It might be out there now in the middle of the rain here, thanks to uh, Hurricane Michael being a couple hundred miles from here. But um, today might be there tomorrow. But could be that. Could be Strange Journey. I don't think I'll do both of those at original one time. Strange Journey or Redux? I I had the original. I got about 20 hours into it, and then something new and shiny came along four years ago. And then when I saw the Redux was coming out, I actually just sold that and was like, I'll wait for Redux. I think you made the right call. I mean, I've got all of Atlas's games from this year all sitting there. Alliance Alive, Radiant Astoria, Perfect Chronology, um, that. And I'm like, I, I, I need to get going on something mobile. I just need something to lay in bed and play and do every day. I, I will say Radiant Historia is a mighty fun game. Alliance Alive. Alliance Alive. I See, I'll, I'm going to play through all of them. I, I will say I Legend of Legacy was iffy for me. I liked it all the way through, got to the end boss, could never beat him. I think after 10 tries, I just gave up. I know nothing about that. <laughs> You, you can't grind. I mean, it's just not getting randomly good skills, and that pissed me off and set me off of that for a while. So, um, Alliance Alive is a hundred times better. Yeah, it's a lot easier. Yes, I've heard there's mechanics in there, so I don't have to as much chance. Um, it, it's much more story driven too. So, um, you're not going to be as kind of running around maps trying to fill out all of the map. That's good. I mean, I, I don't really mind doing that. I love that in Persona Q, trying to get the uh, 100% of the maps on every level. Oh, I, I know. I love that stuff, too. I loved Legend of Legacy, but I can see why it didn't uh, didn't appeal to everyone, because it, it is basically more for Saga fans. Yes. <laughs> so, that uh, that's about it for me right now. I'm not really... I, I need to get a game for review. This one, I'm ready to do another one maybe it won't be as average or something yeah, yeah, um, yeah. we could we can fix that i think we can find something that isn't average <laughs> no. well we have it on the record you don't want an average game <laughs> be careful what you ask for <laughs> i have seen the list that keeps coming out and i keep looking at those and i was like mm, there's a reason people haven't picked this up <laughs> there usually is yes so uh, I do find it funny. It's like, hey, here's a bunch of stuff for review. Here's a bunch of stuff for review. And by now, some of them are like in the, we'll just be happy with a impression. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, to, to be fair, isn't a bad game a lot easier to review than an average game? No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Maybe on some other site, but when you got to roll credits on it, no, no. Not so much. Uh... Easier to write, not easier to experience. We'll say yeah, that's remember, probably 100%. Especially if it's a big bad game. Yeah. A couple of those Chemco things that Mac handed out a couple of years ago, yeah, they were bad, but they weren't to, painfully bad to the point where I can immediately recall everything about them with fiery hatred the way I can with something else that he handed me a few years ago. Haven't we already covered that, like, many times in this uh, episode? <laughs> Well, once you get one of those, you'll 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 be coming back to one whatever yours is too. <laughs> they scar you, man. Right. They scar you. Yes, you'll never you'll know that your uh, that your family Alzheimer's is finally kicking in when you start to wonder. Wait, what was that thing that really? I, there was something I really hated, but I can't remember what it was anymore. That's when the memories are finally leaving. Good point, then. Yeah, in any normal circumstance, if the game was that terrible, you'd just, you know, quit and be like, oh, well, I wasted 40 bucks. <laughs> 40 bucks, five hours, you're done, you know? Yeah, exactly. This, no, not you get if, to keep not going. Not if Mac has asked you to review it. Uh-uh. Now you've got to persevere, no matter what the game is throwing at you. I think I think if Sam was here, she would chime in with regard to Time and Eternity. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, I think that's her big turd, isn't it? <laughs> For some reason, she just didn't like it very much. I can't imagine why. And I think I think Adrian reviewed Witch in the Hundred Night and also didn't have a good time. Yep, and I got Witch in the Hundred Night too, and that was pretty awful. <laughs> well, I'm looking. I should have known better. My, I'm half dreading having my own story here uh, one day. <laughs> There's a common publisher through most of these too. Keep reviewing games. You'll get one eventually. Are you saying that NIS has has got quality control issues when it comes to stuff that they choose to localize? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Pull any punches. Nope. Mr. Binky. Oh, it's getting late, so I don't want to take too much time here. I have continued to play Rainbow Skies, of course, because uh, I just can't stop that game. I'm nearly done with it, and because I'm nearly done with it, I have started to play something that Alex offered a little while ago called Moonfall Ultimate. And Moonfall Ultimate gave me a wonderful, wonderful experience the other night where I was playing the third mission. So I have played less than 90 minutes in this game so far. And I died in this mission after about five minutes of wandering around. Fine, fine. I was more careful next time. And then I got, I spent about 25, 30 minutes in this stupid mission and I died again. And it's the weirdest thing to play something on Steam, get an achievement. I wrote, I reached level five, but I think that it should have retracted my achievement because once I died, I'm no longer level five again because this game doesn't save any of your progress. <laughs> it just takes you back and says, restart mission with without keeping any of the time that you just sunk in. So uh, I think that the developer might have wanted to uh, address that if they were going to have a system like this. Anyway, oh, and I should also say that I have, yes, it's a laptop, but it's a widescreen laptop. It's a big screen because I like, I have a disk drive on this thing so that I can watch things. I have to put my, put my freaking face close to the screen in order to read the text in this game because it's too damn small. Oh, that's horrible. 
I, I loathe when games have small text. My old eyes can't handle it anymore. I, I, I'm severely vision impaired, so I, I mean, I have glasses, but I have astigmatism so bad that my glasses, I, I still have to pump up, like, font text and stuff on websites, so when a game has tiny text, that's no. I guess that's a good a reason to be glad there isn't much text, but still, when <laughs> I do see text, I want to read it, and I have to get my face close to the screen because it's too damn small. So, developers of Moonfall Ultimate, if you're listening, please take note. Enlarge your text font from size 6 or whatever it is now. Um, you know, otherwise, it's uh, you're, you're kind of basic hack and slash, except not very interesting. You don't dodge. You don't even really block. You just kind of move around and hope that they don't follow you, and you just whack, whack, whack your special... Whack, whack, whack. So it, it really looks like it's out of like the Genesis era with better, slightly better graphics. Yeah, the visuals are nice. They're kind of muted color wise, so it gets kind of dull, but uh, it is nice to look at. The sound isn't much. It's it's your basic atmospheric soundtrack, which means that you can put it on and feel like you're listening to the sounds of nature or whatnot. And uh, there, there's a story. There, sure, there sure is a story. It involves you are a soldier for the empire, and you're, um, you're fighting against some people who want to take over the empire. There, that's your story. <laughs> there, there were a couple paragraphs at the very beginning, and I completely forgot what they say right now because uh, there are also a couple of weird turns of phrase that makes people think this is almost like Pierre Solar, localized by people who are reasonably fluent in English, but not fluent enough to be able to have everything be written as if it was a native speaker. So Moonfall Ultimate is not supposed to be very long, although it's already been longer than anticipated because I lost so much time on it. And if first impressions bear out, you can look forward to it not getting a very high score, but I haven't played enough to really make any firm decisions there. Uh, yeah, that's the, that's the thing I've been playing lately, aside from still more Rainbow Skies, because, you know, I think we've covered this recently, but I find this game incredibly addictive. I know, I, I, didn't New Guy said he was looking for a new Vita game? You know, I did try the demo of this. I tried the demo of it right when it came out, and then I tried it actually again, hear, hearing that uh, Mike loved it so much. Um, it's called. I went back and... It's calling. Come to me, Rainbow. You played it enough for probably everybody who's ever been on the. Arcade. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. My play hours. clock reads 530 hours now. Oh my god! I don't know how I've managed. Wow, this. that is insane. That is more than the time I have spent in all five Disgaea games put together, <laughs> and I've beaten just about every one of them. That's insane. 130 hours? No, like 500. Oh, man, my record's only 200 for Tactics Advance. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, for me personally, I unfortunately, I, I haven't had too, too much uh, time for, for gaming. It's been super, super busy, and I do mean super, super busy at work, and it will continue to be so through the end of the year. I'm actually looking forward. Uh, at some point during the month, I have to take a, a trip in an airplane 
uh, to the non-hurricane damage part of Florida. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to having finally some some time with a DS or a Vita or a Switch at that point. Uh, but for a little time I've had, I... Um, uh, you know, I played, uh, I played, uh, I played a couple, uh, well, I played one game in particular for, uh, a segment that we like to do on the show. So I'll save my comments for that. Uh, it's, um, for life. Oh, it's a tower of time. So I'll have more comments on the tower of time at a future podcast. And we'll go into that a little more detail. And as Mike said, we've been doing a lot of monster hunter and you can always hear more about that at the hunt stories from monster hunter, but where did he go? It's, it's like he didn't want to keep talking for some reason, just as if he wanted to let you have the floor and uh, justify some of the things that he'd been talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. They were, so what we're, we're talking about is uh, we did the, the two-star two multiplayer quest. So there's single-player quest, and they're tiered by stars. And then the multiplayer quests are completely separate, and they're also tiered you know, by stars. Uh, and we just got through... You know, a whole bunch of those in a row. The last monster you kill is, I think it's Astera, and it's a big lightning, you know, lightning dragon. No, Astera, that's that's totally, I'm mixing up my proper nouns. Uh, Asterix, whatever, it starts with an A. The whole point is, it's a lightning dragon. It's a green lightning dragon. And uh, we, we, we murdered him a couple of times, and, and somehow Mike got the parts to make his bow that monster's bow out of it because most of these monsters can be turned into weapons of some sort uh and the bow is really really wicked and cool looking now what i didn't you know uh, i'm just joshing with him of course i was able to make the the twin daggers or they're called twin swords twin daggers whatever dual swords dual swords and those look pretty wicked and cool as well i don't like to use dual swords but it was like it's the fastest thing i can make out of these monster we just killed so why not and I took it and, and went out and hunted a monster and just sliced up that monster so quickly. So it not only looks cool, but they do a bucket load of damage. So, uh, yeah, it's, the game is just weapon porn. That's what I keep saying. Like, you know, I'm, I'm lying in my bed with my Switch and I'm just spending so much time looking through all the different weapons. And we're not even halfway through the game. I don't even know if we're a third of the way through the game. Uh, but just on the monsters we've unlocked so far, there's just so many cool looking weapons and armor so I'll be sitting there, you know, lying in my bed, you know, staring at my switch, you know, and, and I, I kind of made the joke uh, to Mike. I, other guys are lying in bed, maybe, you know, looking at pictures of women or something. And, and she'll go, what you looking at? I'm looking at porn. What? I'm looking at weapon porn. See, it's it's weapons. They're really cool looking and stuff. Um Okay, bad joke, but it, it, it was it was funny at the time. But yeah, just there's just so many cool different ways you can have your character look from all these different things. If you played if you played Monster Hunter World and you thought that was cool with some of the armor you have in there, uh, the weapons aren't that cool. Monster Hunter, let's all be or Monster Hunter World, let's all be honest. But uh, the armor looks pretty cool in that game. There's while the textures on the armor aren't nearly as good on Monster Hunter Generations. There's just so many, and they and some of them are really cool cool design. So it's just fun. And Mike Apps was clearly taking advantage of it, as I mentioned before, because the guy was coming out every single hunt. He had something else on, you know. So, yeah. Yay him. But that's pretty much it. Uh, We'll go ahead and wrap it up. It has been a long podcast. And if you stuck on this long and you've made it all the way to this part of the uh, podcast... 
tell you what, you you deserve a little extra something. Shoot me off a, a message on Twitter. I'm at JC Servant. The first person who does so uh, will get a link back to a list of games. You get to pick one. It's a it's a it's a random grab bag of GOG and Steam games that I have sitting in those gift accounts, and I'll be happy to give one of those away if you actually make it this far through the podcast. Uh, anyways, uh, RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, which. You guys really need to go and check out. We got news. We got reviews. We got everything that's there. We're going to be putting up this huge uh, tribute uh, to the Vita. You're going to go read that. This is by gamers for gamers uh, who really love it. We're not getting paid off like IGN. Um, (laughs) Just I can't can't help myself. Uh, I wrote several of the parts to this too. Didn't I, Josh? Hmm? Didn't I write several of the parts to this Vita feature? Yes, you did. Several. And Kelly did. Mike, you and I yes, I contributed. Like, new guy contributed. <laughs> a lot of a lot of people did. A lot of people contributed. So please, please go and check that out. It's as if the Vita is a really nice platform that deserves some attention. Yeah, it is very underrated, especially if you're an RP gamer. Uh, there's just so much on there. I mean, if you were hoping for the coolest first-person shooters in the palm of your hand, it, it didn't quite live up to that potential. But for RPGs and and some of the other games uh, types, it's just awesome. My wife plays her Vita every night. Of course, it helps that she speaks Japanese, so she can do even a lot of those visual novels from Japan, and she'll just play those. Uh, and they look so gorgeous on the Vita. Well, if you need your Call of Duty fix, can't you get that on any given X-Bone? But if, what if I want it in the palm of my hand, Mike? Uh, I don't know. I've never needed a Call of Duty <laughs> fix, so I don't know how you get it. I guess now you can do Fortnite on your Switch. Uh, so maybe that's kind of close. I, I don't know. I don't know if those are close or not, because I've never what, played What either. about Halo? Halo. Um, Wait, what are we up to? Halo 5? Yeah. Maybe they'll get that on the Switch. Microsoft will put that on Switch, no problem. Hey, I am a happy camper over Diablo 3 on Switch. I'm going to be putting oh. a lot of hours into I, that. I will say, I will say, I'm glad you actually brought that up. There is one thing I have been playing, and it's not on the Switch, but I've been playing Diablo 3 at the PlayStation 4 because it was on sale. And, oh my gosh, sometimes I've been so busy at work, and a lot of times I only have like 30 minutes, 45 minutes at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And I got out of Diablo PC a long time ago, and it's the exact same game, but somehow having it on the TV, being able to lay on the couch with the controller, and just knock out a couple of riffs is just so satisfying. It's just awesome. I I cannot wait to Necromancer on that, because I, I bought that Necromancer DLC, uh-huh. but I just haven't had a chance to get to it on the PC version, just because, you know, if, if I'm sitting down on my PC while I'm wanting to play WoW, or I'm usually mm-hmm. drawing or something, right? so being able to play that Necromancer on this awesome. Yeah. So, it's, so is it out on the Switch, and you just haven't gotten around to it yet, or is it not think- out yet? I November. think it's not out yet. November? Okay. Pretty sure it's in November. All right. Cool. Cool. I, and I will tell you, I played Necromancer uh, on the PC, and I enjoyed that class a lot. Um, I, that's what I like about Diablo. I actually enjoy just about every class. I could never, except for maybe the Crusader. Um, never quite got into Crusader. Monk was okay. Uh, everyone, uh, you know, outside that, even Barbarian just feels so visceral. I just, I just love all the... There's so much fun, you know. That game definitely had legs to it. I mean, once they fixed it with all the auction house issues and stuff. It's definitely a different game now than it was, you know, when it first came out. So if you haven't played it in a long time, yeah, now's a great time to hop on with your Switch. Or if you're like me, get on sale on the uh, get on the PlayStation sale. But if you want to uh, play it on Switch, you have to wait a few weeks. Oh, okay. A few more weeks. 
Um, probably gonna have to wait a little longer because that's around uh, Christmas zone. Mm. So I'm just gonna put it on my Christmas list and be like, "Hey husband, hey hu- hey husband." <laughs> yeah. Are you, did you get it now? Did you get it now? What about now? Did you get it now? Uh, and, uh, anyway, let's let's. Yeah, you were you were doing this. You were doing the wrap up for wrap RP up, Gamer. right? So rpgamer.com. Uh, like I said, leave your comments on the podcast page. Make sure you leave them on the most recent podcast. Alternatively, you can hit Michael and I up on uh, Twitter. I'm at JC Servant. He is at Jew Mason S Y N, and you can leave us your comments that way as well. Um, and. I feel like I'm forgetting some legalese, but whatever. Mike, put us to bed. It's late. We cover RPGs of all types and spectrums on the backtrack. Tonight we covered the stuff that is deliberately trying to be older or at least act older than it is. And you know what? It's perfectly fine for them to do that so long as they do it right. Good night.